Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 255, F9, lap 11. I'm Jerry Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode's brought to you by Magnet Forensics. Simplify your investigations. Axiom Cyber is a robust digital forensics and incident response solution for businesses that need to perform remote acquisitions and collect and analyze evidence from computers, the cloud, and mobile devices. Shout out to Magnet Forensics. Well, shout out to Magnet Forensics and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we'll be talking about F9 featuring magnets. But Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we last spoke? This last weekend was Labor Day, mm-hmm. and uh, we went to visit Rachel's parents and actually her aunt and uncle and uh, their daughter and her husband and child all joined as well. So it was a big family uh, fun time adventure for the weekend. Um, I had a blast. It was good seeing them. But I have something really cool that I learned while I was there that I want to share. Is this what you were teasing via Facebook Messenger today? Yes, it is. Okay, go ahead. It's 100% it. Okay. So we played this game while we were there. Uh, they called it Salad Bowl. I don't, I've never heard of it or seen it before. Um, apparently, it was very popular with uh, Rachel's cousin and her friends when they were in college. So we played it this weekend. Have you ever heard of this? I've heard of Salad Bowl. I don't know if I remember what it is, but go ahead. You've given me no clues so far other than the name that I may or may not remember. So you start out, everybody writes down four things, okay? They can be anything, inside jokes, they can be nouns, they can be any type of thing that you want, right? So, like, I could put the Steelers or whatever I wanted as one of my things. You make four of them, everybody puts them into a bowl. The first round... You describe the words without saying it, kind of like password or something like that, right? You could be like, it's a football team, they're from Pittsburgh, whatever, right? And then someone's like, oh, the Steelers, Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. You go through the entire bowl, you get to the end, uh, you tally up the points. I think you just get like a point for everyone that they get right, right? Um, Everybody goes around the room, everybody takes a turn uh, as it goes until you finish. Second round... You have to do the same clues again, and then all the clues go back into the bowl. You have to do the same clues again, but you can only do charades. Okay. So same exact clues that we just guessed, but you just do the same thing with charades. So, like, you know, same thing. Go around the room, tally up the points, and now you've seen the clues twice, right? Yep. The third time, you do one-word descriptions of the clues, and that's it. Okay. So then you'd be like football right and everybody heard pittsburgh steelers Steelers twice so okay then cool and then the fourth and final round is you play charades but under a sheet okay so you have to do charades but you're in a sheet so you can't really do the full charades right even if the charades are bad even if the clues are bad you start memorizing what the clues were right yeah 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 yeah, yes Uh, assuming you're paying attention or don't have a broken brain even if there's like some really hard or really weird ones in there, like when it comes to you and you get to the bottom, you'll recognize that it's yours. Right. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And so you're, and you're obviously playing all of them. And uh, so this game was just a fucking blast and I really liked it. I think it's great for like groups. Of well, friends. I will say update. What? I have not played salad bowl. Okay. You haven't. No. I think that you guys would really like, cause you, you know, you can 
totally cater it, suit it to whatever. Yeah, I think I think if we knew about this in college when I was at Larson's house every Friday night, we definitely would have played that because we were all so big in the charades. But like, I don't think I have any group of friends now that would really tolerate this. I mean, it sounds fun to me, but I can't think of any group like combination of my friends who would do this kind of thing. Maybe, maybe. I mean, obviously, I'm not playing this with like the guys in the fantasy hockey league. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. as like a family game, you need nothing to play. It's very gentle, and they can be like as weird clues as you want. And it's also good if you were like spending the day together because you could just make a lot of the clues things that you did throughout the day or sure. things you said or inside jokes, whatever, right? So it was it was a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. I liked it a lot. You have to have a group that would like want to play a game like this. But if you do, try this version. A lot of fun. Cool. I don't know if that's the real name of it or if that's the name they called it. I'm. I feel like it might be one of these games that has like 50 different names. Like everybody played their own version of it type situation. But I don't know. I got a recommendation actually from my boss to watch the show Mo on Netflix. Have you heard of this? I know about Mo. Yeah. Yeah, it was like big on the banner or whatever like that. I I wasn't um, like I had seen it, but like I was like okay, I'm not gonna try it. He's like, I think you would really like it. We started watching it. It's 20-minute episodes. It's, like, way grittier than I thought it would be, like, darker. Mm -hmm. It's about this kid who's, like, a Palestinian immigrant who's, like, probably mid-30s. He lives in, like, Houston, Texas. There's lots of chopped and screwed music. It's, like, like autobiographical. It's, like, it's it's fictionalized, right? But it's, like, based on his life or something. I think probably so. It's too real not to be. And there's, like, and he's, like, in a bunch of, like, gangster-type situations. Uh, But it's mostly, like, a show about family and stuff like that so like those parts are heartwarming the other there's like weird shit that happens either way excellent show 20 minute episodes there's only eight of them i have the finale left we saved it and we've liked everything we've seen so far it's really funny uh he's really funny the the actors are great is there anybody in there that you recognize or no not one person i don't think maybe there's one lady but she also just looks like so vanilla i can't tell if i recognize her for some from something else Mm mm-hmm or if she is somebody I recognize. Um, so no, and I didn't like look anything up because I didn't want any spoilers or anything. So gotcha. I haven't done okay. any of that yet. Um, but yeah, highly recommend it. It's awesome. Oh, and I finished Hard Knocks too because that came out last night and Hard Knocks was cool. I like Dan Campbell and I like him telling everyone that they were really great. Did you watch the newest episode? No, because I was okay, out no, last night and today has been terrible with work stuff. So I'm no, sorry. I have not. That's okay. fine. Yeah, watch the new Hard Knocks, which I'm sure you will. So Yeah, I will. Uh, I was going to today, and then I just ran out of time. In between, okay. between this episode and when we talk to Nate later, I have to finish the movie. Like, I haven't even had time to do that. So oh, that's damn. the kind Sorry, of day bud. that I had. It's fine. So last Thursday night, uh, Bob had an extra ticket to a show in Asbury Park uh, for the band Built to Spill, which is one of his favorite bands. He'd never seen them, but he had bought tickets and he thought he was going to go with somebody and they bailed on him. So he's just like, do you want to go? I'm like, I don't really know their music. Do you know Built to Spill? No, never heard of them. What's it like? What's They're the genre, kind of like uh, alt, kind of like garage. I don't know. I, it, genres. I was, I was, I've never been good with genres. And I was reading a thing recently that like genres only existed like when like there were like physical retail stores. You need to put a thing in a place. And now it yes. doesn't matter. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, what's it like, like, alt-rock? You could it's like me, it's like a but, like, ska band. They also kind of, like, jammy, but not jammy in a fish way, like, jammy in, like, in a rockier kind of way, like, not okay. like a... that's cool. 
because they also have like really tight, like sort of poppier songs, but then just some like, you know, they came out for the encore, which was one song and it was like 12 minutes long, but it doesn't feel like it's not like, hey, like let's play a half an hour long song and just, you know, get high or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so they were great. The bassist in that, so apparently Built the Spill is this one dude, Doug, and then his band changes every album, apparently, but his bassist that night was also in the opening band or one of the opening bands, this band called Blood Lemon, uh, who I really liked as well. So uh, it was cool. a good, nice little two for one. And then we had another Lottery Pod episode to do, so we recorded uh, and talked to the author of a book called Shitstorm, which is, this whole season's been internet books, and this one's about Twitter and sort of in the Trump era and stuff like that, and so that was on Saturday. And I also saw the movie 3,000 Years of Longing, uh, which is a new Idris Elba movie. He's in two in theaters right now. It's that and Beast. This is him and uh, Tilda Swinton. And oh, it nice. is uh, directed by George Miller, who did Mad Max Fury Road, as well as Babe. Um, but it's really good. It was uh, uh, sort of, it's one of those kind of movies where, like, only George Miller kind of could have made it. Okay. Um, it's kind of unlike most other things. It's sort of, like, it's slow, and, like, it's a romance. It's, like, because Idris plays a djinn, like a genie. Tilda gets the bottle that he's in, and so he comes out. And once he grants her three wishes... He can go on to like the next gin place or whatever, but like he tells this whole story like about a like how purgatory place or like no like like, next, like where where like he's going person. to like, ascend to no I think it's just like to the next whatever because he's tr- sort of trapped in purgatory now because he tells okay, this whole story I mean. like the, th- yeah. the titular three thousand years of longing is that every single time he's been like uncorked from his bottle the third wish has never been made and so he's just oh. been like hesitating and like stuck in kind of limbo. It's not like he's got, like, a hundred different people. It's like, this one person didn't, then he got, like, thrown in the bottom of the ocean, was there for 1,500 years or whatever, right? So he plays this, like, gin. But it's basically, it feels almost assuredly like a pandemic movie where just mostly, the most of the movie is just the two of them in a room. But there's also, like, all over the place. Like, there's all sorts of different things and lots of great special effects and stuff like that. So cool. Saturday was National Cinema Day, where movie tickets at basically every theater were just three bucks, because there was, like, nothing in theaters anymore. Top Gun was still in theaters, and they brought Spider-Man back, and they're just trying to get people to go out to the movie. So, like, my theater now was doing $3 tickets, $3 popcorn, and $3 sodas. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. So, like, I'm going to get a ticket. I'm like, should I just go there and get a ticket in person? I'm like, no, I'll pay. Like, there's, like, a $2 service fee. I'm like, I'll just pay that, because I don't want to go and come back or whatever. And then I got there, and the theater was swamped. Wow. Okay. Because like it worked, and like the line to it was like it's like a combo line because it's not a huge theater, but it's like a combo line to get like drinks and tickets, and that was like fifty or sixty people deep. So I'm like, I'm so glad I like it was the best two dollar service fee I've ever paid. Yeah. Yeah. Because it saved me, like I was able to see the movie or whatever. So, shout, like I think that's a really good idea. The National Cinema Day, like there was no new releases. I don't think it was all just sort of like archival stuff or whatever, or like things that have been out for a couple weeks. Recent but, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool idea, I think. Didn't really do anything for Labor Day because uh, I was because I have things like the next like eight weekends. I'm like I kind of want to just do nothing. Dude, Last that's night, what I, I'm doing this weekend. I like I I'm already feeling it because like I'm doing something a weekend after, and this weekend's like first weekend of NFL. We have F1. We have uh, soccer. We have every. I'm like yo, this is like the first three TV weekend all weekend that I'm just going to sit here and watch mm-hmm. sports all weekend. But go ahead. If you, Sorry. If, cause people don't remember you installed two little TVs on either side of your big TV. So you actually literally do have three TVs. It's not like there's three things to watch. It's like you have three things going on at the same time. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be utilizing all three televisions at the same time is what I'm saying. Yes. yes. 
Last night I drove into the city to visit a friend because his wife is in the country of Jordan, and so he's playing single dad this week with his toddler, so I just hung out with them for oh, a couple hours cool. last night, which was nice. Nice. Um, I fun. also have seen a couple other movies that are new to me, but not new, that I really, really loved. Repo Man, which I think we'll do at some point for this podcast. Do you know Repo Man? Have you heard of Repo Man? Yes, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. I'm not going to say anything more because we'll get to it eventually, but it's a okay. great, it's one of the best uh, you know, there's some list of like some one of those I've websites heard, like yeah. best car movies or whatever. Yep, That's not yep. why I did this. It's a Criterion movie. I just had I've owned the Blu-ray for, you know, knowing me like a decade probably without having watched it. But I watched and I really, really liked it. I watched the Jackie Chan movie Rumble in the Bronx, which was great. Have you seen that one? No, I actually haven't seen a ton of Jackie Chan movies. I've seen a lot more Bruce Lee movies than Jackie Chan, but not a ton of Jackie Chan. Well, Jackie Chan ones are more comedic like yeah, exactly. this one's not super funny but like, like i've seen rush hour back in the day and stuff like that but like I, I don't think i've spread further than that like and i've seen him in things that weren't i don't think like fully jackie chan movies type situations you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. this is like a purely like, this is him like coming yes. to america for his uncle's wedding while he's here uh you know two rival gangs or whatever getting tr- like start causing trouble he like sort of forces himself to intervene and then just go, like, goes from there but like this is another movie where like Every scene is better than the last. And I was talking to Mark Hoffmeyer because, like, some of the things that he is super, super devoted to and fanatical about in terms of, like, what he loves seeing in movies, like, is all yeah. over the third act of this movie. I'm like, this feels like you wrote that. He's like, that is the best compliment I've ever received. <laughs> yeah. um, nice. But I think that we'll do this one for, for the podcast. There's a specific lap that we've been talking about that we're that this would definitely fit into. So I think we'll do that one day. And then I also watched the movie Earth Girls Are Easy. Do you know that from the 80s? No, 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 no. So it's kind of like a, it's a very L.A. Valley movie. So it's directed by Juno Temple's dad, Julian Temple, who was a music video director. And it was written by this woman, Julie Brown, who I think was on, like, I think she's maybe known for, like, she's like an L.A. comedy person. And she wrote this, and she's not the star. She's just kind of like a supporting character. Gina Davis is the star, but Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, and Damon Wayans are these aliens who crash on Earth. And it's just following them around. That's and it's a good like cast. supremely campy and weird and fun. And I really enjoy that. So cool. Uh, that sounds like a fun good movie. Good week I... of movies, which was, you know, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Have not started the Lord of the Rings show yet. We're talking about it a little bit with Wes today. I'm going to. I've not yet. Yeah, I plan to, I plan to start that too, just because, like, I'm curious about it. House of Dragons too. I'm still planning to start, but, like, I was doing stuff all weekend. And yeah. She-Hulk is really good. That's halfway done right now. Reservation Dogs is one of the best shows on TV, I think. Shadows, what we do in the Shadows, just ended. Oh, out this week in the theaters. I've not seen it yet because it's not out yet. But Mark Hoffmeyer recommended, the aforementioned Mark Hoffmeyer, recommended this new movie called Barbarian, which he said, don't read anything about it, just go see it. Um, I think okay. it's, it's either action or horror. Like, it's one of those kind of like, because his podcast, Movies, Films, and Flicks, I didn't realize that, like, what they basically do is they review, like, horror movies and indie movies and, like, bad movies. Like, they don't do, like, I don't think they do, like, big releases. Unless a big release is, like, a horror movie or whatever. Okay. Um, But whatever this genre is of this movie fits in that. He's just like, you need to see this movie. I'm like, all right. So I will see that this weekend at some point and report back. But glowing review from Mark about Barbarian. So if you're interested in that kind of movie, again, I don't know what it's about. He says don't look it up. But I guess if you want, like, a cool movie, question mark, I don't know. Check out Barbarian. Oh, and Rick and Morty's back. Did you know that? Um, no. Yes, no, I saw somebody say something about an episode, but that's the equivalent of, like, that's the extent of what I've seen. Yeah, it was good. It wasn't great. It was good. But that's, I think, everything. 
we have a Patreon page, Too Fast, Too Forever.com. Shout out to you, Cassie Wilson, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, and Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party. Haley Gerbys, West Hampton, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden Renato G. Donato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, Nate Milton, ooh, of the Kings of Sport. I've not said yeah. Nate's on this episode. I mean, I, said, I mentioned his name, but Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport is going to be talking with us tonight. Yes, he will. Jason Rainey and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Tez. Thank you all for supporting us at the $5 a month level or above. I wonder what Vanessa Hudgens is up to. She, there are rumors that she was going to take over a late night. Who's stepping down? Is it Corden is stepping down? One of the late night shows, oh, and there was a rumor, what? there was like a blind item, that she might be in the running, which I don't know that she would want to do, but she's been hosting lots of like red carpets and stuff like that. She did like, think the MTV Movie Awards or something, and she was like really, really good at it, because like everybody likes her. She's very personable. Interesting. She's good in front okay. of the camera, and I don't think that someone who is basically, you know... Not necessarily a movie star, but like, you know, on the rise, like she was in Bad Boys for Life and stuff like that. I don't know if she would want to do it, but it seems like there was a rumor that if, you know, also keeping in mind, there's never been a woman or a non-white guy on one of the main networks as a late night host, right? So like, Yes, never, ever, ever. That's what also the first thing that came into my brain when you said that. But there was there is a rumor that uh, she's maybe being considered, who knows if that, you know, what level of consideration. But that's what, she, that's what she's been up to. She also sold the house. I mean, she's she's doing a lot of stuff. Who Weekly talks about her a lot because she is like the success story that like went from doing like really kind of hooey behavior, like just sort of like sponsored content and stuff like that to like actually successful at it. So... I, I get updates about her once or twice a month from Who Weekly, so that's she's still out there. Cool. She's still doing work. I don't think she's acting in things, you know that I've that I've heard about, but she's still out here. Yeah, lots of vacations according to Instagram. Always in a bathing suit somewhere in some beautiful locale. So, but shout out to everybody for supporting us on the Patreon. Yeah, thanks. If you want bonus episodes, early access to episodes, if you want to pick what we watch. If you want swag and merchandise, our undying love and affection, we're about to start a new lap, and every $10 patron is going to get picked every lap from here on out. TooFast2Forever.com for that. We also have a bonus episode coming out next week. So if you are listening and you want access to that, we'll announce it at the end of the episode. Sign up, TooFast2Forever.com. Even a dollar a month gets you in the door. We also have an email address, family at cageclub.me. So we have a new comment from YouTube, but it's on a Hobbs and Shaw episode, and it's the sad sweating emoji, and then some, I don't know what this is, I think it's just spam, I tried to figure out what it was, I couldn't, but okay. I just want to share, because you know, every time we get one of these, I want to I make sure I read it out loud, but we got two emails that are their patron picks, and I also messaged a couple of people today on Facebook that you were privy to, but Alex Ellenin sent in his pick, and this is a movie that I've been dreading for a while. Okay. And he said that he uh, he was not going to make us watch it without him having watched it. So he was messaging me on, I think, Friday as he watched this Okay. and sent it in. It is the Fast and Furious parody film, Super Fast. I think, we've se- I think I've seen that one. The poster is like the Fast Let and Furious see. heads above the car. It's the font. I really do not want to watch this, but Alex supports us, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it for him. But boy, oh boy, am I not looking forward to this. Oh, I have seen this one. Because there is also... It's like notably bad. Oh, yeah, I've seen this one. There was that movie that I sent you. Hold on. This one's weird because I feel like it is like Fast and the Furious 
uh, parody and satire, and then, like, at one point, from what I remember, it, like, just doesn't do that. Like, it, like, becomes its own movie. But that's... What, super fast? Yeah. I feel like I've seen... I feel like that's what happens at some point. Like, like a lot of it's like, oh, like, yeah, this is definitely parody, and then, like, at some point in the movie, I was like, wait a minute, what is this? Like, they just, like, kind of bail on Fast and the Furious, and it becomes its own movie, and then, like, bring it back at the end or something. It was weird. Mm, I've never seen it. But there was the other... Let's see, hold on. Did, did Alex say anything about it? He says, it's fun the whole time so far. A hundred minutes of a Fast and Furious movie from the guys who did Disaster Movie. Yes, yes. So, you know. Well, it's quick. That Dude, like, if anything, a hundred minutes, right? Yeah, I'll get through it. I'll get through it. But there was this other movie that I sent you a link to. It's the two and a half hour long Thai movie from Thailand. Fast and Feel Love. Did you watch the trailer, or did you ignore the message I sent you? I, did you send it this weekend? No, I sent it last week. No, I totally missed it. Uh, it's two and a half hours long. This trailer is, it feels like a parody. Like, this feels like a loving send-up, kind of like it's about a cup stacker. Oh, yes. Okay, now I remember. Okay, go ahead. I didn't He's watch trying to do this thing. He's trying to, like, be the fastest in the world at this. But the font and the poster and, like, even, like, there's, like, references to Fast and Furious in the trailer... But, like, the, the trailer is cut in a way that it feels like it's the entire movie. It feels like, hey, you know it would be a funny idea if we did Fast and Furious, but it was about stacking cups. And then we cut together, like, this little thing, and, like, you know, it's a short film or whatever. I don't know how this is a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. But I sent this to Alex as he sent me super fast. I was like, I sent this to Joe. He ignored me. Take a look at this. He's like, how okay. is this a real movie? And I was like, look, you can either fuck one of us over one way or the other. You can either give me, like, a terrible movie, and that hurts me. Or you can give a two and a half hour foreign language film and that hurts Joe. I don't really want to watch true. Fast and Feel Love, but it's, I think, uh, as on brand maybe as super fast. But one way or the other, not that either of us are really going to like either of those, but they're geared specifically toward one. So he hurt me more now. Maybe next time he'll hurt you more. I don't know. Or maybe he'll just hurt me again because it's funny. No, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more lovable. People don't want to see me have pain. I would like to see you do work. They yes, should, they should like, true. people know, out there know that I do all of the work, and they yes, should want, yes. they should let me get to do, like, watch the things that I want to watch. I, I think, based on that, the shorter movie is less work for you, so you're just talking yourself into my argument again. Thank you. Anyway. Well, I mean, I don't want to watch super fast. I'd rather watch a <laughs> two and a half hour long good movie than an hour 40 bad movie. I'd think, I'd think, I'd actually think about what you were saying, and no, it's still, it's still not true. <laughs> um, then Michael McGann sends in his pick too. Okay, and he says, "Just want to confirm that the ten dollar plus level is going to pick each lap." Now, yes, confirmed. So if you're out there listening, you want us to watch a thing, or read a thing, or play a thing, or whatever. Oh, and yeah, it yeah. takes about two hours. If you want us to do like do a thing that takes two hours, that's fine too. He says, "I would love to still kind of keep to the theme because again, they can be anything you want. We used to do like do a theme or whatever, but yes. now it can just be whatever, or it can so, fit with the theme too." Yes, and so he keeps with the theme. I'm not going to say, but you know the theme for next lap, right? Yes, I do know the theme for next lap, and I remembered it. So uh, he mentions a movie that fits into the theme, and I will say this is it's tangentially related, but. It does apply so that even if we were acquiring this, I'm, I'm being vague because I'm putting this out. We have not announced the theme yet until next week's pit stop or next okay. week's uh, tune up. But okay. he wants to do Ralph Breaks the Internet. 
Have you seen that? The second Ooh, one? The sequel yes, to Wreck-It and Ralph? I love the first one. I watched the first one on a bunch of opiates, and it was probably one of the greatest experience, experiences of my life. Wait, so, did, but, so you love the first one, but have you seen the second one or no? Yes. And I had you, do you remember joy. the other yes. Fast and Furious yep. connection yep. that's not this theme? That Gal Gadot basically plays Giselle. Yep, yep. I 100% remember watching the movie, loving it. Big fan of Wreck-It Ralph. Big fan. Yep, huge fan. So, Michael McGann, we will do Ralph Breaks the Internet for you next lap. You got it. Perfect. I'm also looking yep. forward to that. Did you see it? Yeah, you know, you did. Oh, you I saw it in theaters, yeah. It. Go ahead, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure one of Tobin's friends from college, like in his filmmaking class, wrote the first one. Like, I think Tobin's, like, friends with the guy who wrote the first Wreck-It Ralph. That's so insane. I'm, yeah. Congrats so. to him. I was saying to you that in the last week, my TiVo died, which is annoying because all I use the TiVo for is live sports. And so I had to buy new hardware and whatever. Anyway... On the TV that died was Tobin's movie that I still had not seen, A Christmas Stray, which was like, I think, a Hallmark or a Lifetime Channel Christmas okay. movie. Yeah, um, yeah. So I need to find it online now, because I, I didn't watch it last Christmas, because I just forgot. Because I don't I don't check my TiVo's DVR. Like, I'm just like, oh, the Yankees are only put on the TV or whatever. Yes. By the way, streaming through the Yes Network app, it's so bad. Like, it's nice as a backup, but like, as a primary way, I'm just like, this is the most Dude, inconvenient thing. I was like, I was like can, I, can I do this for an entire season? The answer, very quickly, was no. Um, I have the same problem with the ABC app to watch Jeopardy at night, which is like still on hiatus for like summer break or whatever. But like the ABC app for Fire Stick is so trash. And like it's also bad to stream online. And I'm like, how are you guys this bad at this? You know what I mean? Like, the other thing that's fucked up abysmal. is that I'm trying to stream the Mets too. Like if the Yankees are on TV, I want to watch the Mets on my laptop or whatever. They're like, apparently SNY is maybe owned by NBC Universal. And I can't get the, I cannot I can get the stream to start. Like it's it just crashes like in private browsing in three different web browsers with Are you ad block on, out? ad block off. No, it's just like I'm in the market. Like I I'm trying to stream SNY. Like I pay for it. Like I'm trying to oh, I can't even validate that's even my worse. It's terrible. Yeah, fuck that, dude. Yeah, like, it's not like it's like MLB TV works flawlessly, but like if I I don't have a incredible. VPN, incredible. It's, it's a whole thing. So yeah, MLB anyway. TV is like perfect. I know that like that's the backbone that I haven't tried the NFL Plus yet because. No matter what, I'm going to be fucking blacked out of everything anyways. I'm just in, you know, the black hole of blackouts, so. Mm-hmm. But anyway, thank you to Michael McGann. Thank you to Alex. And also yeah, Justin sent in his pick via Facebook. If you want us oh, to. did. If you want us to, jo- to join us or hear us talk about the forever purge. No, the first purge. Yeah. The first purge. Not the first purge movie, but the movie called the first purge. Yes, yes. Which yes. I think is like the third or the fourth one. Yeah. Those all come in at you next lap, but all behind the paywall. That's the other benefit. Like, you can pick anything you want, but it's only for the patrons. So if you want to listen to those episodes, TooFast2Forever.com, again... This is a nice month, spread. Yeah. I kind of like how this went already, by the way. Just it's like with these three picks, right? Like, it's, it's, it's like a goofy thing. You got also a fun movie. Like, yeah, and they're like tangential or not or whatever. Great. You guys all did excellent. I like all of them. Thank you. Even yeah. if you pick cup stacking, also fine probably shouldn't because that's too much work for joey to watch an extra hour of a movie don't do that that's not the work you always think like i watch these movies that's all the work i'm like that's not the work (laughs) that's not it's not any of the work i know that i never have said that watching the movies is all the work you have said that before you said that at least once because i remember because it still makes me it drives me crazy i'm just like that's not the work man if you think that's the work oh boy this was like years ago though but it's still stuck in my brain fair okay that's all the emails if you want to email in family at cageclub.me and we'll read it on the next episode 
We have a store too fast to forever.shop. Joe, your Pittsburgh Steelers connection has dried up. We have not sold a shirt in the last couple of weeks. Wait, so. wait till this weekend. We, you know, it was, it was a bye week last weekend. Wait till this weekend. George Pickens is going to have four touchdowns. Uh, all of them are going to be spectacular. He's going to have one through four on SportsCenter's top ten plays of the day. Oof. And uh, when that happens, we'll sell a bunch more T-shirts. Actually, I was wearing it when I saw Rachel's um, family, and they were like, well, I, I don't understand this T-shirt. And I had to explain to them the whole thing and then was giggling with them that, you know, we had an order for a family-size bunch of these T-shirts at one point. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I actually do want to say, while you reminded me just talking about sports, that fantasy baseball update, after even after the stat correction forced me to play my – I know nobody cares about this. Go I was ahead. forced to play I'll my do, first I matchup. Did. I advanced. I survived, thankfully. But okay. the issue now, the other thing, is that by not having the number one seed, by being the two, I have to play the three, and the three seed is like the best team in our league right now. He's like, the uh. he's been the best team the entire back half. So, theoretically, if I beat him – and he said the same thing about up. me. I don't think it's true about me. My team is fine, but it's fluky. If I beat him, I should have an easier opponent in the finals, no matter who I face. But Excellent. one That's round cool. down, two more rounds to go. Only two days in as we start this. But, boy, it is Good luck, bud. a lot of baseball. Thank you. Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. Anything you've seen in the last week? Yes, I've seen one big thing. I'm probably going to snipe it from you. But I would is like it the thing that I posted? It. Maybe, or, or like I think maybe Reaction Rocket tagged us in it or something. It was Jordana Brewster in a replica of her car at her wedding. Yeah, I posted that. Just fucking awesome down the line. Did she just get married or these yeah. like leaked pictures? She got okay, married she... again because she remember she got divorced like a year or two ago and this is her new man. And so they had oh, mentioned that right. they were going now to honor Paul at the wedding. And they did. They got a replica and like they have like cutouts of them or, you know, on the like decals or whatever on the driver's side and passenger side windows of them driving and riding and they drove off in it that's so cool really really cool i loved it it was cute made me excited this week and made me excited for fast 10 again yeah only eight and a half months away that's not too bad to be honest we should get a trailer theoretically soon pretty maybe. soon i think maybe it's gonna be one coming up and then i feel like we'll get another one at the super bowl probably right I don't know if we'll get a second because remember when we I think we talked I think we probably have to have the same conversation every single time probably we talk about this but the first trailer for F nine was right Super Bowl weekend remember that whole big spectacular so like we didn't have any trailer until like what was supposed to be three and a half months before so we might not get one for a while that feel yeah okay that feels both right and wrong to me like, I mean you it know, feels I'm not too close you. but his yeah. history is on our side or whatever so yeah. I agree. Yeah, it, it just feels like it's not, like, long enough, hype enough. But also, I guess, why are you running trailers now for movies? Like, maybe Christmas will be a good time to do it, but that's still even far out from summer. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Yeah, because, yep. again, like, also the movies that are coming out, well, maybe Christmas is different, but, like, it's not like it's a war. Like, it's not like somebody going to see, like, an oscar baby movie in November is going to care about yeah. Yeah. Fast 10, right? It'll only be, like, the Christmas releases. Keep your eyes out. Obviously, you'll see it when we see it. We'll post about it. We'll talk about it. Amen. Final thing to do before we take a break is the Fast and the Furious Minute, the Too Fast, Too Furious Minute, Minute 74, a minute I called No More Riding Solo. So why you let that dude go in L.A.? Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it. When I got busted, it wasn't your fault. It was all on me. Mr. Roman Pierce, wildin' out, crazy, man. No 
one can tell me nothing. Riding solo. Yeah, well, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, bro. <laughs> So in this minute, Brian and Roman continue to share a nice moment on the bridge. They talk about why Brian let Dom go. Roman forgives Brian for his past mistakes, and Roman reflects back on his life of solitude. Meanwhile, or then, night becomes day as we cut to Carter Verone's compound. Carter and Monica walk to his navigator and get driven away as the minute ends. I see you've redacted something here. Yes. Firstly, not a ton here again, but I got all the cars, so... Cool. I feel proud about that. There's three cars in the scene. But I have something that I want to talk to you about. It's the redacted okay. part. I'm going to have to backtrack here a little bit. We spent a lot of time last episode, or at least some time last episode, talking about what Roman is eating in the minute, right? Right. Like, it oh, sounds like a piece of fruit, but it's not a piece of fruit, or it doesn't look like fruit. Yes. Okay, so to add to your conundrum, he tosses it at one point from his right hand to his left hand, and as he does that, it rattles. Okay, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. No, so I was just like, what the fuck could it have been that he took a bite out of, like a candy bar or a hot dog, and then throws it back and forth, and it rattles? You have to hear the, like, ADR part of it rattling. It's very, very strange. It doesn't even sound like a rattle. It sounds like... A can, like, clinking. Like a can, but, like, specifically, like, a, a can of spray paint that has, like, the thing inside that, like, rattles around? Yeah, 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 that's... Totally fair. Yeah, that, I absolutely agree. Whoever did the sound effects for this minute or this movie in general, I don't know. Uh, kind of, kind of mailed it good in a it. little bit. Yeah, mailed it in at some points for sure. Weird, but okay. So that's that's what I was just thinking about. Um, it's something that when I heard it and like was watching this over and over again, I was like, what the f- like? Why is it making that noise? And I was trying to see like you know, can we definitively say it's a candy bar or whatever? It looks like. For the most part, it's like a Snickers or something, right? Like a Three Musk, whatever. I don't know what candy bar it is. Payday. And he, like, tosses it. But to have the, like, can clink sound there and have it sound like he took a bite out of an apple when he bit it, but also look like a candy bar and then him hold it kind of weird. It's really weird. I don't know, because it's, it's not an apple or a can. It looks like a candy bar or something that's a size and, like, consistency and heft of a candy bar or whatever. Yes, I don't know. yes. Yeah, so that's that was my... One random observation this time that I couldn't wrap my head around, and I don't know what happens. Is there anything else that you notice of note in this minute? Because, there's again, there's not a lot that goes on, because we're on the bridge for half of it, and then there's, like, the montage nope. that goes from, I guess, like, dusk to morning, and then we're just walk, seeing them walk to the car and then drive away. There's not really a lot going on. Is there anything else that you noticed? No, that was about it. How about you? No, there's so there's the new song that starts on the score, Getting Ready for Action. There was another song that either I missed or they didn't include it in the movie or it was layered under too much, but there's something called Miami Sunset, which seems like it would have been, it would have been used in that scene yeah. with Roman and Brian, but I didn't hear anything. Because like, that's one thing that I'm, I'm obviously listening for because that's one of my like quote-unquote responsibilities for the yeah, yes. like just the songs. Yeah. And I didn't hear anything, and I don't know. It's not like you keep an eye on it or an ear on that specifically an ear not an eye but like i don't think did you you remember hearing anything either this minute or last minute of them on the bridge 
not really. I mean, I know, like, I know it's probably going to fade away, and you're not going to really remember it, but, like, it's mostly just them talking. Like, there's no... It's weird. Like, it's weird yeah. that there's not, but, like, they wrote a song called Miami Sunset that's on... Like, there's a there's a thing that I'm linking to in the doc that's just one one YouTube video segmented up by... Like, it's an like hour-long YouTube video or whatever, which score. is the entire score. Yeah. yeah. And so there's one called Miami Sunset, so you can hear it, but I don't think it's in the movie, or if it is, it's just, like, a beat or whatever... They needed to take it out to make sure that you heard that good can rattle and apple bite. I guess so, yeah. Because if, if this was happening, you would never hear those wonderful, wonderful sound effects. Exactly. The question I came up with is another easy one. I know that the last one we did was pretty easy about what's not an excuse Roman uses. But, like, again, there's not a ton that happens. But did you have any questions other than the one that I wrote down that you could, that you would think of for this minute? I had one. Fuck. I had, like, an expander for yours. Because the one that I have is a true-false, Roman forgives Brian the time Roman got busted. And the answer is true. But it feels like, I don't know if he ever explicitly forgives him, but he does. He does. Um, I I was going to do, like, who does Roman blame for going to jail in this minute? And the answer is himself? It's himself, yeah. It's not Brian anymore. It's not, like, being hungry. It's not, like, his cousin. or Like, we can make whatever up. Like, he finally blames himself. You know what I mean? Interesting. That was my only... And I saw, I had seen yours, because I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen here. So I looked at yours, and that was... And, like, I used yours and kind of flipped it. Do you have other believable... Because I can't think of any. Any other believable answers other than Brian or Roman? Uh, Brian, Roman... It could be, like, Roman's brother, uh, crooked cops. You know what I mean? Like, any of these... I, like I was hoping for better ones. Those are just like the first two that I had, and I was I think we could play it, but no, not necessarily. Like it's it's gonna be a Brian. Like you're either gonna pick Brian or Roman, right? Okay, so then let's let's just leave it as it is. Then that's fair. Totally we'll okay. On. If you like, if you're like, oh, like this name, that name, whatever. Like I'd be happy. Like we could change it, but like we know that Roman doesn't have family. At least we don't. We, I mean, he's never said it before, right? So yeah, and he can't like blame Tej. It's too early for stuff like that. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. Like not Bilkins. The other thing is that I will say that what I what I mentioned last minute about forgiving or why Dom why they let Dom go is what's discussed here. That you know is yeah. that why you let that dude go in L.A. Yep. and he says yeah yep. I think that because like, about him feeling guilty about not helping Roman when he could have helped Roman or whatever. Yes, and that's that's what like makes Roman pivot to be like, look, dude, this was my fault anyways. You know what I mean? Like I know mm-hmm. that it doesn't, it, it's not a big deal. So minute 74, no more riding solo. Roman forgives Brian for the time Roman got busted. True or false? The answer is true. Not a bad question either because like he's bitching the whole time that Brian didn't do enough for him, right? Yes, and he even blames him earlier in the movie, right? So it's like yeah, he clearly blames, blames him. him. Does he ever forgive him? The answer is yes yeah. in minute 74. And no more riding solo if you missed it in the minutes. He goes... It was all on me, Mr. Roman Pierce, wild and out crazy man. No one can tell me nothing riding solo. Just like, I, I was dumb. I was young, dumb, and on my own. Full so. of cum. Yeah. Anything else to say about this minute? No, I don't know where they go next. I think I was reading the location things to try to find out where the location was, and I I don't know where they go next, so I'm curious to just see where they go, because like, my brain, again, is disconnected. I can't. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in the end game here now, right? Like This is going to oh, yeah. be them. Oh, yeah doing the job doing what carter hired them to do and trying to usurp him and whatever and you know make the cops happy so yeah but let's take a break and let's come back and let's talk to nate about f5 
nine. Episode number 259. Nope, 255. 255, sorry. F9, the Fast Saga. This episode is brought to you by Magnet Forensics. Magnet Forensics has built a global reputation of excellence, reliability, and trustworthiness. They offer modern solutions for digital investigations. Shout out to Magnet Forensics. Well, shout out to Magnet Forensics. Welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. With us tonight, teased in the opening, we have patron of the show, friend of the show, friend of the family, family member, Mr. Nate Milton. Hello, Nate. Yo, Joes. It is it is good to be back. Um, although I think, you know, you might be using that term family a little too generously because there, there's an issue that, that the three of us have, and, and I didn't mean to air our dirty laundry. I didn't mean to tell tales out of school, but... For two guys who are supposed to be my friends, you know, you've come on my show, I've come on your show, we've had good times. Why did it take me this long? Why did it take me this long? Why didn't either one of you tell me what Peligro Minas means? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I don't know where this is going. Yeah, I was like, what do we do? (laughs) I thought you were going to blame us for, like, not encouraging you to watch this movie when we've seen this movie entirely too many times since it came out. Although it did feel, I don't know why... When we watched Fate and Hobbs recently, I was just like, I feel like we just watched this today for some reason. With this one, I'm just like, I haven't seen this in a while, even though it's been equidistant since the last one. I don't know what it is, but we're back here again with F9, closing up the Fast and Furious portion of Lap 11 with F9. And Nate, it means landmines. So uh, sorry Mm. that we didn't tell you earlier. Yes, I had to learn the hard way. Well, you were racing home from work, and you were like, we need you here. Just don't worry about the Pelagros Minas. And you're like, all right. And somehow you got through it, uh, I hope, without blowing up the car. Is your car intact, or did you, did you hit a landmine? I, I did hit a landmine. My car flipped in the air, fell on top of me, but I'm still here. So I'm maybe I'm invincible on this microphone. Well, that is good to know. Maybe we're invincible. Now, here's the question. Did you watch the theatrical cut or the extended, the director's cut? I wanted to watch the extended cut, but okay. I ended up watching a the theatrical cut, and this is the first time. I was telling you guys off mic. This is the yes. first time I've seen F9, yeah. and not because I wasn't interested in the film or not because I didn't want to watch it. It was basically the same reason I chose to watch the theatrical cut, and it's just time. Like the last mm, year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, kind of going back to work and getting back to normal, like even finding time to watch a movie, like I don't have the time that I had a year ago or two years ago. And so it's like, I really want to watch F9. I want to, I want to see it. And then kind of the moment passes for F9. Like when, when everybody's in the F9. The for sure. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yes. And then it just kind of passed. And I'm like, well, I'll watch it eventually. I'll watch it eventually. And then it becomes, I guess I'll wait for uh, the Joes to invite me on the show. Then I can Beautiful. watch it. <laughs> Well, so what's what's interesting about the extended cut is it's seven extra minutes. The most interesting thing I found is that I, by redeeming, like I bought the 4K, and so I redeemed it on, you know, Movies Anywhere or whatever, it's on Prime. So I have both copies on my account that I can watch for free. 
For some reason, the genre for the standard version is action, but the genre for the director's cut, that's suspense, baby. I don't know why they're different wow. genres. I wouldn't call this a suspense <laughs> movie. I mean, I guess it is, but... Those seven know. minutes are really suspenseful. I guess so. So the you mentioned that scene. You mentioned you you alluded to the scene where Roman's like, maybe we're invincible. In that scene in the director's cut, Tej quizzes Ramsey on old technology for about 90 seconds, and it feels like for the no most reason. mansplainy thing. <laughs> yes. And it's just like, oh, we don't need that at all. There's I some definitely good stuff. saw that this time. Yeah, There's good like, stuff between uh Letty and Mia in mm. Tokyo, but like it's a real grab bag. The the extra seven minutes in the in the Mia Dom scene is cut too, right? That's the one of the you're talking about. Yeah, there was an entire scene cut between them that like early on where why does she show up? It's like oh, there was a scene where like she they talk about her going or her not going or whatever. Yeah, there's a handful of scenes that are just added or whatever. Like I would say compared to other director's cuts, it's more worth it, but. If you are looking down the barrel of a two-hour and 22-minute movie and you're like, do I want to add another seven minutes? Like, yes. I, I, not I get not wanting to, yeah. But I'm glad that you finally did watch it. Now, do you have – I didn't – we didn't prep this, but do you have updated rankings or if you want to – where would this fall? Did you like this movie? Did you not like this movie? Was it disappointing? Was it a surprise? Mm. How do you feel about F9? I have a lot of conflicting thoughts after watching it for the first time, and it'll probably take a couple rewatches to kind of – nail down where I feel about this, how I feel about this movie. I like it. You know, it's Fast and Furious. You know, so it's going to take a lot to put me off of this franchise. So I liked it. I think I like it more than I liked uh, Fate, especially the first time I watched Fate. It also kind of feels like it's way too stuffed for a movie that is already, like, pretty lengthy, as you just alluded to. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's like we're doing the greatest hits, and I love all the greatest hits, but also could we have less greatest hits, please? I love love Han being back. I love, you know, I love the banter between Ludacris and Tej. I love, you know, uh, the the, seeing the the crew from Tokyo Drift, you know, pop up on the screen. You know, I love all of this stuff. But we also have 20 flashbacks to get to, which explains to us why John Cena and uh, Vin Diesel are brothers in this universe. Mm-hmm. And it's yes. like we get Helen Mirren. We get Jason Statham at the very end of the movie. Like there's a lot of good stuff. It's just too much. It's like in my college days, guys, I can tell this story now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a wise man. You know, I'm not a, not a college <laughs> kid anymore. But there would be times in my college days where, you know, I would have too much of a good time with my friends and you know too much beer or you know there'd be there, there was one random night joey where I, I i may or may not have eaten an entire domino's pizza by myself mm. it happens. And in the in the moment i had fun with that domino's pizza but afterwards i'm just like i could have used about a third less of that domino's pizza i mean you're, you're saying that happened in college it. i'm saying that might have happened to me this summer once or twice like it's, <laughs> you know who am I to throw stones in this glass house we call life? I will say, though, to that point, so like whenever I start one of these movies, like any movie, I open up the letterbox page, I'm going to log it on there, mm. and I'm looking at the letterbox page, and I don't know what it was about it, but I look about halfway down the, the cast list, and there's Anna Sawai, who plays Elle, the, yes, the girl okay. that Han yeah. takes care of. And I'm just like, and this, I, I see her name in the opening scene when we're still on the farm, right? Yeah. Mm. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this movie is sprawling in a way that I think mostly pulls off. But like compared to like the next time we watch a Fast and Furious movie, we'll be back in the original one. And that's all in Los Angeles. It's like seven characters we have to care about. And like half of those we don't really need to care about. Yes. And one here, of them dies. Exactly. Anna Sawai as Elle is like 
15th banana and she has an entire emotional arc in this movie that again i think they mostly pay off but i'm just like they're they have time jump and location jump and story Mm. jump and all this stuff in a way that i'm just like these have gotten so big and we're never going to get back down but i was just like it's like just seeing her name Yes. It made me realize the breadth of what they've done. And I think, oh, yeah. again, in an impressive way, but I was just like, man, this is so much bigger, especially as we like sludge through, trudge through the too fast minute where we're like, we're just minutes go by where they're just standing on a bridge talking. It's like that never happens really anymore. May I may I offer a, a bit of a script uh, rewrite for a movie that I've only seen once that has made all the money in the yeah, world? definitely. Would this movie have been better if we had just had Jacob and Cypher as our villains, like, did we need Otto? Like, does Otto serve any purpose to this film? <sighs> He's just like their linker, I guess, right? I-, I think what's tough about that question, Nate, and this is where I want to get, I know that this is all sort of new to you, but you're we're now closer to the release of Fast 10 than we were to the release of this movie. So we're mm. closer to the next one than we were to this one. So, you know... I kind of we, we keep looking forward because we've talked about this movie six or seven times, and I want to hear what you think about this. But I'm also curious to see where you think we go from here with only two more main movies. Because like Otto, it's hard to judge him. I think because I don't think he's a great character. But if he builds to something in the next two movies, I'm more inclined to give him a pass. We keep mm. talking about Cipher in these in these episodes because yeah. like Cipher was the main villain in eight and just jumps out of a plane and then we're like okay cool she's back in nine here we go and then she doesn't really do anything here either and it's one of those things where like I think the movie could be better without Otto but like if Otto was the son of blah 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 cousin to blah 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 <laughs> and then, like it's this like grand world building thing then I love it but like for now yeah he's kind of lacking but you're just adding more people now. Oh yeah, I know, hundred percent. But that's that's what these movies do. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But I was just saying, it's really funny. They're not they're not killing like... people again. Like this, you know, we've talked about it before. But like, there's that dramatic thing where like they're in space talking about like, you know, this is what we do with all this different. And there's the dramatic music. I'm like, who's gonna die? And then no one dies. Mm. I have um, I have a question for Nate. We all know that Nate is a big DJ Dewey fan. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about having a movie with no The Rock but John mm. Cena? And The Rock's partner, Jason Statham, too, right? Like, this is, like, the thing yes. is that we surround him. Like, we'll never talk about this on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, I don't think. No, there, there is no reason uh, for us to talk about this uh, on that particular podcast. Maybe we'll get something in, in 10 or 11 uh, that, that can bring us back for the last lap, fellas. Uh, uh, I hope. I think John Cena, like, if you're not going to have The Rock and you can't get Batista because he's in another universe... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think John Cena's the next best thing. And John Cena's actually not bad in this movie. No, he's pretty good, I think. And I, I think he has kind of the... And it's going to sound very damning with faint praise because everything he does, I think The Rock does better. Sure. That's but fair, yeah. That that doesn't mean that Cena's not good at the physical stuff. It doesn't mean Cena's not good at you know being a badass or not good at you know, having some funny lines or bringing some emotional resonance. Like, I think Cena's best moments, his best two moments, are the moment uh, where he and Dom fight on the, you know, when he's going down the zip line. Like, I think that fight is a really good fight. But mm-hmm. then my other favorite Jacob moment is at the end, where Jacob and Dom talk and Mia comes up and hugs Jacob. <sighs> family, I guess. Like, yes. Come on, Jacob. <laughs> Take the car. You're in the family now. So I think John Cena did a pretty good job in this film. 
Yeah, you know, we've talked, I think we talked about this early, like, early on. We haven't talked about it in the last couple of times, but there was so much made of it, like, Jacob is Dom's brother. Dom, why did you never tell us you had another brother? But, like, there's so much that, like, he's Mia's brother, too. Yes, and I think yeah. the Mia-Jacob stuff is more emotional and affecting mm. than the Dom-Jacob stuff in different ways. he's mad at his brother. And she's like, oh, I was still contacting him. Mm-hmm. I was keeping tabs on mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. This movie did a good job of, and they kind of telegraphed it, uh, but we knew where it was going anyway. Like, this movie did a good job of introducing a villain just to give him a babyface turn by the end of the movie. (laughs) And the fact that, like, it almost got comical at a a point where you killed Dad. No, I was just doing what Dad told me to do. (laughs) Why didn't you tell me? Because Dad told me I couldn't tell you. And if I told you, you wouldn't let me do it. You got to leave. No, you have to leave. And it's like, Ah, like, I get it. Like, we don't come to these things for great Shakespearean quality writing. But if if, if I were going to be uh, pedantic, I, I would say Shakespeare wrote stuff like this in his day for the masses. Uh, but I, I like that we, like, Jacob is not an out-and-out mustache-twirling villain. Like, I, you know, everybody, yeah. I think Otto is, like, one-dimensional. Uh, Cypher has maybe an extra dimension that she didn't have in eight, but I'm still not sold on Cypher, even though we love Charlize. Like, but Jacob, I like Jacob a lot uh, by the end of this film. Are you happy that he ends the film in the family, or are you wishing that he was, you know, in intent still going to be a villain, or at least, you know, neutral? I think knowing, and again, this goes back to wrestling, right? So mm-hmm. if we've got four weeks to the pay per view, and in this yeah. Weird analogy. 10 and 11 are our pay-per-view. Sure. Yep. Okay. And the goal is by the end of the movie, hopefully we have all of our big heroes together, including Statham and The Rock and John Cena side by side with the family. If, if that's got to happen, I can't have Jacob being a villain in 10 because we've got to get this baby face run going. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, I get it. I maybe would have liked less of a clean break at the end. But that being said, like, I feel so much of this movie or so much of Jacob's character in this movie for me works not because of anything Cena or Vin are telling us about these brothers relationship, but it's about what Mia is to these two men. Yeah, I think there's like I would have liked more Mia Mia and uh, Dom scenes. I would have liked more Mia and Jacob scenes because to me, she is like the glue trying to hold this family together while these two big buff knuckleheads just want to fight and destroy a city. Now, I don't think he has any wrestling background, but what do you think of Jason Momoa as the big muscly villain in 10? You on board with that? I am on board with that. I think Jason Momoa has the kind of presence, right? Like he's got that on-screen presence. He's got the physicality. He's also got a charm that you need if you're going to be a fast and furious villain. Uh, you know, like uh, the Shaws when we first met the Shaws, like uh, uh, was it Braga? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like like you've got to have a little bit of style, a little bit of flair if you're going to be a fast villain. And so I can see Momoa kind of fitting into this world, and just to have maybe a scene where he and The Rock and Vin Diesel are squaring off. Like, come on, that's like fantasy booking one on one. Because there was something that we were trying to figure out. Well, who do you add? Not that Jacob is family. Who do you add? And it didn't even cross our minds. And as soon as they they ca- they announced Momoa, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, of course. Perfect. Why would you not? Yeah, that's a perfect answer. 
It's amazing. But I do, I want to go back to, I had that Momoa question geared up, but I do want to go back to what you were saying about Mia. Like, we love Mia, and I think that Jordana Brewster, as an actress and as a character, got so short chain. and this is, like, again, a shitty way to talk about it, but, like, by Paul Walker's passing, they didn't know what to do Mm. with her. And so they're trying to make up for lost time, and, like, she's so good. She's so good as an actor, and, like, in these movies. And I'm glad, like, I, I'm glad to hear you say that you like the scenes with them and you wish there was more, because, like, she's the heart, she's, like, what keeps the family going, and it feels like a lot of the time they just don't know what to do with her, really. Yes, and I would say, like, as a viewer and as a fan of these films, Mia is my least favorite, favorite character. And the, the reason I say it that way is, like, when I'm listing, like, who do I like in these films, it's, you know, it's Dom, it's Brian, it's Han, yeah, Tej, Roman even. Uh, and we, we, we've got, I've got thoughts on Mr. Roman Pierce in this film. Uh, but Mia just kind of gets that short shrift. Like, it, it feels like out of the women, the only one that gets her due is Letty. Uh, you know, because we could say, like, I think Ramsey is finally in this film, maybe Ramsey finally gets something to do besides just being the object of Tej and Roman's affections. Yep. Uh, but Mia should be a more central character in these films, particularly after Paul's passing, because uh, even though the character of Brian is, is still alive in this universe, like Paul Walker is gone. He's not coming back. And the core, like the central figures, Letty, Dom and Mia, like that should be the core of your films with the rest of the family kind of rotating around that nucleus. And, the way she walks into that room and tells Dom, you know, like, Jacob is my brother, too. Like, why why was I not, you know, let in on this? Like, I think we spent a whole movie full of flashbacks, and you couldn't give me one. At least right. uh, not on the version I saw. Maybe it was in the seven minutes you saw. Uh, but there wasn't one flashback with Mia and Jacob, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't think there was the any race extended. together kind of situation, but that's it's not like them. It's just and, like they're then, at the race standing there. I do love, like, I love, I might have, I don't remember if I had the same thought last time, but that flashback, I know that you're not crazy about the, like, the Shakespearean aspiring dialogue, you know, early on maybe between the flashbacks between Dom and Jacob, but like that race when Dom gets out of jail and rolls up in what's mm. time shifted by a decade the wrong way, right? Like, it should be 99, but it's 89 yes. for no reason yes. or whatever. <laughs> yes. But that scene is so goddamn good. Like, the soundtrack is great. The characters are great. Like, I want more of that world. Even though they're characters that we know, like, I think the fondness I have for them is, like, is, is nostalgia for the early movies. I think that mm-hmm. the way, like, all the details that they have in those scenes, in that one scene in particular, are so good that I'm right there with you, Nate. Like, I would love to see flashbacks of Mia and Jacob, or just, like, you know, when she visited him in that year or two before he, like, really left or whatever, right? Like, yeah. I want more of that because the casting is so good, I think, and the performances are good, and the feel is good, and I just love the Mia character so much. Like, now, I think now you're making me like, because I, I, one of my problems I was going to cite with this film is I don't know if I like Kid Jacob, and I don't know if we're meant as the audience to like Kid Jacob, uh, but... The fact that Kid Jacob, when he loses that race, keeps driving as Dom uh, laid out the deal, like that that shows some honor. That shows some respect yeah. on Kid Jacob's part that I think I missed, you know, when I when I just watched it uh, yesterday. It's like there's a there's a deeper story here that I want more of, but also I don't want more of because there's so much other stuff we got to get to in this movie. I think that's the thing. It's like do you want like the cuz 
I think you can look at this movie as glass half full or glass half empty. It's like there's so much to like here, but it's also nothing is really paid off. Mm. And it's like, are you more forgiving of the fact that they don't really pay off a lot of the threads because there's so much that they want to cover? Or are you frustrated by the fact that there's too much and that you don't really get paid off? Like, it's just there's a lot of good stuff. But like, are you happy with that? Or do you wish that they focus on fewer things? I think both viewings, both readings are very valid. And I'd say for the most part, I'm happy. Like, for the most part, I had a good viewing experience. The highs outweighed the lows for me. Like, seeing Han, like, you know, and knowing Han was coming back from, you know, a year ago from when when the trailer came out. And, you know, uh, point of clarification, like, I have not listened to either of your episodes – Either of the episodes that you guys have done, or either that's not the we've right done term. like seven of them. I was going like, to say like entirely too many. Yeah, 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 no episodes. worries. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't listened to any. That's the word I was looking Good. for. Yes, any yes, of yes. the episodes uh, that you guys have done on this because I didn't want to get spoiled. Sure, uh, I wanted to wait till I watched the film, and so I'm thinking like Han's moment of showing up is the moment like in the hideout from the trailers. I'm thinking like that's the first time we meet Han in this film but it's in tokyo on the rooftop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the, you know it's the first time we meet uh l and i'm like oh that is that is not what i expected i was you know waiting every time they walk into that hideout i'm like is han coming around the corner yeah, is this yeah. when han comes around the corner eating a bag of chips no han shows up on the rooftop <laughs> in tokyo taking out people and i was like this is amazing like i and and that was also a good scene because we got uh uh, L and Mia and Letty just like kicking butt, all fighting. Yeah, just a great scene, and and having Han back was really cool. And I think I got oddly emotional at the very end where he meets up again with Twinkie and uh, uh, who's that guy? Sean. Uh, Sean. I, I keep well, yes. Sean and Earl's there too. Yeah. Yes, and Earl. Uh, when like when Han. Uh, Sean's like, I, I didn't think I, I heard you look back, but I didn't think you were real. It's kind of like when I played Pee Wee Reese and I told Jackie Robinson <laughs> racism was over. This is the same kind of thing, Han. Uh, watch me on NCIS New Orleans every week on CBS. Uh, but like when he hugs uh, Sean, like mm-hmm. that was an oddly emotional moment because, like you guys, I have probably a lot more love for Tokyo Drift than the general public. And so yeah. seeing our Tokyo Drift crew get their like little mini reunion yeah, in that yeah. scene. It, it felt good. Well, you know, one thing that we always criticize these movies for, and I think I, I realized what we should be actually criticizing is that we, we often talk about how these movies don't respect or don't seem to care about their own history. Like mm-hmm. Job made the point, an episode or two ago when we were doing the Too Fast Minute where Roman is talking about, you know, flashing back to the first movie and talking about, like, Brian letting him go or whatever. Like, that's in the scene that we've been covering the last couple couple minutes. What I realized is it's not the Fast and Furious. It's just explicitly Chris Morgan because Chris Morgan did not write the first two. He starts at Tokyo Drift. He goes Ah. through eight and then goes to Hobbs and Shaw. So this movie cares so much and i think in in a, in a good and a healthy way about the franchise's history yes and roman references the first movie and the second movie because that's not chris morgan chris morgan's the one who wrote most of these movies and yet he never references back he's always moving forward and i think there's there's an issue of getting stuck in the past 
But there's a difference between getting stuck in the past and just like acknowledging that the past exists, which he doesn't do. So I think, Joe, what we need to start criticizing is just Chris Morgan. Fair. He's gone from the, like, he, he's on the Hobbs and Shaw side now, if there ever, you know, if there's another one. Because this movie does feel like a throwback in that, in a weird way to that scene we're covering right now, the Roman and Brian on the bridge scene. Because it's like, hey, we, we know that things happened in the past. We're going to talk about it. It's like, yeah, we want that. And it's so unnatural that they don't like, right? Like, if these, if this is a group of people that are a family, mm-hmm. there's no way they wouldn't be like, okay, do you remember when we did this thing? Mm-hmm. Like, that's <laughs> just very, very natural. So, like, why don't they add more of those? Like, it doesn't need to be hammered over your head or in your face all the time, but just like acknowledging it, like you're saying, like specifically that word, just acknowledging that there is a past that they were all part of and that they did stuff together is totally fine. And like, we'll take that. Thank you. Like we always make the comparison to the Avengers movies, you know, with the fast and furious. And it's like, you don't have to become a prisoner to continuity and a prisoner to the history of the franchise, but all of these Marvel movies find a way to have a nod or a throwback or a reference to events that have happened in the shared universe. And I think that's the kind of thing where if you aren't familiar with the mythology, it doesn't turn you off. But if you are, you know, just like that scene uh, with the Tokyo Drift guys, like that can mean so much to somebody that's followed all of these films. The Marvel movies do that in a way that is both, I think, incredibly difficult, but also feels frustrating because we see it every time. It's like, okay, so this Doctor Strange movie has to acknowledge the last Doctor Strange movie and the Spider-Man movie that just happened, while also telling a story. WandaVision. And while WandaVision. Also, yeah, WandaVision, <laughs> while also setting up, you know, the next Doctor Strange or the Avengers or whatever. And it's just like, you and can't Introduce have a America like Chavez. Like- exactly. We... If, if, if any Fast and Furious movie did that, I guess this one mostly does, we would be like, oh my God. But like Marvel does it every time and it's, it's tiring because it keeps happening. But here it's just like, no, no, you're not even doing the one. You're kind of doing the future one. You're mostly doing the present one. But <laughs> we've never had all three until now. And that's, I think, why it feels cool, like surprising, refreshing in a way that like Marvel always does it. But here it's just like, oh man, oh man, like this is new for us. Yeah, like we should be gearing up for the for lack of a better term, the end game for mm-hmm. this universe. And so the pay-per-view, like, baby. Yes. We, 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 we were almost to the pay-per-view. We were getting close to the go-home show. Like little bits like Helen Mirren showing up and there being like this shared history with her and Dom. Like I dig things like that. And I think there's a way to do it without just like looking at the camera and like, hey, remember last time when we did this? That yeah. was crazy, wasn't it? Like, there's a way to do it where it feels organic. And so, yeah, I loved seeing, uh, you know, the reason I love seeing the reason why uh, Mia and Letty had to go back to Tokyo or the reason why uh, Tej and Roman had to go seek out Twinkie and Earl and Sean or the reason why Dom had to go talk to Helen Mirren because they're up against this threat that they haven't faced before uh, and most of them didn't know existed. And that's Jacob. We did an entire lap of trying to make sense of like where Jacob was. Like, do you have any? Do you have any guesses? Any like, you know, this is all make believe because there's no right answers, no wrong answers. Where do you think Jacob's been in the 20 years that these movies have been happening that we haven't seen? I mean, much like the man who portrays Jacob, you can't see him. True. Oh. Very true. Art imitating life. But mm-hmm. here's the thing: if there is one 
I mean, I've got a couple critiques, but if there's one critique that kind of stuck with me after my first viewing of the movie, and maybe it gets better on uh, subsequent viewings, you guys would know better than me. It's trying to track the timeline of Mr. Nobody's organization and what went on with Jacob. Also, what went on with like the faking of Hans' death and Shaw. Like, there's so many moving parts that after a while I just kind of threw up my hands and like, you know, let's let's just go with it. Like I can't sit here and try to make a flow chart of who joined <laughs> the who joined the secret organization when, when did they turn rogue? When did they fake their death? When did they come back? Like I, I just like, okay, I'm I'm here, movie. Just tell me tell me the story you want to tell me, movie. I feel like, and Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like after like the second or third viewing, we're like, okay, cool, we got this down. And then as time went on, I like <laughs> lost that thread and got confused again, and now I don't know when anything <laughs> happens. There's so much of it, and we were trying to figure out what the times of the year, like what years it actually was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and we got hung up on that for a while, Nate, because the first movie comes out in 2001, and this movie says the flashbacks take place 11 years before that. Yeah, this is set in 1989, and the characters are like 17, 18, but in the first movie, they should be like 22, 23, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in the fourth movie that we basically, when we see Letty's fake gravestone, everything kind of gets time-shifted up three years, so like, if this takes place in 99, it's it's perfect, it's flawless, exactly what it should be, but for some reason, it's 89, so then in the first movie, everybody's supposed to be 32, like, it's a weird, it doesn't, like, Mia is in high school in the first movie. They say and, it, yeah. And so, with that in mind, she's either a 28-year-old high schooler, or she's supposed <laughs> to be four in the flashbacks in this movie. <laughs> So it's yeah. like if you if you unpeel the the onion too much, it kind of loses everything. But so this I, is why I got this that yeah this is like the major timeline that like I get hung up on now. Like the the Mister Nobody stuff. I'm like, okay, like that doesn't even <laughs> seem as egregious as this can be. Were you hoping for more Mister Nobody, or were or you like pleasantly surprised that like that he wasn't in this movie? Like, what's your take on like him basically kind of being a plot device, but not in this at all? I thought we were going to get some more Mr. Nobody. Like, if anything, like, maybe just Mr. Nobody, uh, like, driving by the, the, the barbecue at the end, just tipping his cap and going on his merry way. Like, we didn't get any acknowledgement that Mr. Nobody was safe in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is to kind of misdirect us. Like, maybe Mr. Nobody's dead. Mr. Nobody's not dead. He's just hiding so that he can make a triumphant return in 11 and or... Uh, 10 and or 11 like that's that's the, that's the the classic again the classic wrestling thing you know wrestler gets injured he's injured. on the shelf yeah. for like nine months and then there's a royal rumble or there's like a big event and wait a minute is that mr nobody's music he's back <laughs> now in wrestling parlance one thing we've talked about is a possible heel turn for Ooh. mr nobody do you think he is there any chance in your eyes that he could be a villain there is I don't know if I want that, though. I don't think we want it either, but we're afraid of it. The same way we were afraid that Han was going to be bad in this movie, mm. I think we're setting ourselves up for this beloved family member to turn against the family. I don't know if he's a yeah. family member. He's family adjacent. He's like a friendly neighbor. Say, yeah. he's, yes, he's, he's, uh, he's a friend of the family. He's somebody you call Uncle, uncle Nobody, but he's not an actual <laughs> uncle. That's fair. Yeah, very fair. I like that. Yep. Also, like now, now, now you've got me going down this Mister Nobody, whatever this organization is called, rabbit hole. Because Ryan Reynolds is part of this organization too. Yeah, 
Kevin Hart may be part of this organization the next time we see him in this universe. Like, there's a lot going on. With Ms. The, Nowhere with, from the animated Spy Racer series. She's in this, too. Oh, yes, wow. She is. Yes. Okay, yes. Uh, is is Brixton dead dead, or is, is is there a chance Brixton could show back up again? I don't I know. Think, I think Brixton, if he gets out of that bottle that he's trapped in in 3,000 years of longing or beats that lion oh, or whatever in Beast, oh, I think God. he could come back. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring everybody back. Yeah. What if Beast, like, at the end of Beast, he was like, a rope like a cyborg, you know, Ooh, like they like so it's a prequel. Back. I mean, yeah. I was thinking this week, and it was before it was un. I mean, I guess I'm always kind of thinking about these movies, but when we were doing our preview for this movie, Nate, like before we saw it for the first time, I was like, what if they crossed over with Jurassic Park? Because yeah. you know, both yeah. Universal properties, we always have these ideas that like you know maybe Transformers, maybe this, maybe that, whatever. When we see this in theaters. There's all the trailers, and then it goes black, and then there's a new trailer oh for Jurassic World Dominion this. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know it was a trailer, and it just says on the bottom like 65 million years ago. And I'm like, holy shit, they did it! I was right. And then it's it's not, but like I was like, oh my it god, it was like an extended act- trailer for Jurassic World oh, wow. that like played before this, and we were yeah, oh my god. Yeah. But I mean, just it, with that set, you know, crossover anything. I'm welcome to every everything and anything. If The Rock wasn't already in GI Joe. I think that could be an interesting G.I. Joe Fast and the Furious crossover. I think he should just play both characters. That, that you know, Hobbs doesn't come back, Ooh. but he's the G.I. Joe character, right? Just have oh. him come over. Hobbs has actually been uh, roadblocked this whole time sure. undercover. Yeah. That also gets Channing into these movies. Yes. That we'll gets for us. I agree. the guy from Crazy Rich Asians in this movie. I don't remember his name, but the guy from Sneak Eyes. You know, yep, we could, yep. it could really open up. And like those, you know, we could I bring Marlon Wayans into this universe. Oh, my God. It's what we need the most. We already have Tyrese. <laughs> oh, can you imagine the Marlon Wayans, Tyrese Gibson banter? I know. I know. I think that Joey would explode, though. Like it would just spiral so comically. <laughs> Like he'd be like, I can't take this. I, I go up and I, I'm, I'm writing a Roman high right now. Yes, let's Good. talk about it. I hated him in Ain. I like him now in Ain. I, I like him mostly in this movie. It's you know I, he's not my favorite. I don't. I don't. I'm not looking forward to the Roman scenes, but they don't annoy me like they have in laps past. So you know, neutral to slight enjoyment is better than I've been. Yes, I think I like Roman better in this one than I did in Eight. I think there are still some of the like Roman has. Roman is never going to get back to what I think is like peak Roman, like five six Roman. Like that to me is like peak Roman. Because uh, mm-hmm. that was birthday party Roman, right? Yes, yes. That's in yes. seven. Yeah, seven. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay so five, I'd say five, six, and seven. That's like my peak Roman. I think in eight, Roman just went off the off the charts. In nine, I think they dialed him back slightly. Like there's a weird again talk about oddly emotional or not even emotional, but like oddly sentimental moments. Like when Ludacris and Roman. Uh, when Tez and Roman are uh, floating in the, in the space in the, in the Pontiac Fiero and they're just like, imagine this man, two kids from the ghetto. We made it to outer space, man. It's, it's amazing what you can do in this life. And I'm like that, that feels way too deep for this Roman Pierce that we've had the last couple of movies, but I could see Roman Pierce from too fast saying that. And so I think they're trying to merge our Romans, but I, I definitely like this Roman a lot better than I did in eight. And it, it feels like, and I didn't notice this till the last time we watched it, but again, it caught me off guard here that Tej says to Roman, don't you dare shart in here. And I'm like, why are you saying shart? Like that feels, nobody should be yeah. saying that in a movie, but like it feels no. almost more like a Roman line than a Tej line. 
I just don't want it in here at all. Like that. Why don't sell you the Fast and Furious movies with chart? No, don't don't cheapen our entertainment. Come on, uh, this is this is cinema. Tej did get a little looser in this one, and maybe that's because of the Ramsey influence. Maybe. Like I feel like we're we're kind of past the even though there there was a little bit of that in this one. I feel like we're past the reverse Betty and Veronica. For lack of a bit, like I don't have a modern reference for a love triangle. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I guess what would it be like something from Grey's Anatomy or like? Okay, I, mean, we I got. Can, I we gotta, can say the upcoming Harry Styles film, My Policeman, has ooh. a love triangle in it. Okay, see, I was gonna go with a with a newer reference, but still pretty old. But it's newer I mean, than okay, so here Archie you can call Trump. it Betty and Veronica thing because you know. Uh, well, here, here, I've got, I've got, I've got. So this is in this scenario, Ramsey is Kelly Kapowski. Okay. Uh, Ludacris, so we're in the 90s now. Okay, so slightly updated. Yes. Okay. Ludacris is A.C. Slater and Tyrese okay. is Zach Morris. Okay. That's yeah, where I I'm like at it. with this. I was going to say, you can do Betty and Veronica because Riverdale is still huge. Like, you know, they're, they're back in the zeitgeist. True. So that's a, and that's a more, unless you're talking about like the new Save by the Bell reboot, in which case we're just rebooting everything, right? So just, yes. yeah. I but haven't I do watched think any they, of the new Riverdale, though. It likes. I've watched maybe one one episode and that's it. I do think that like they are I think you're right that they've they've moved on the romantic conquest and now it just seems like Tej and Ramsey are friends busting on Roman. Yes, yes. I agree. I hundred yes. percent agree. And I, I like think that we so might get better. some romance down the line, but I think that like that the tension, like they've they got enough juice out of that orange that they were gonna get in terms of the guys fighting over her. And I really like it better them being like Maybe they wind up together as like friends that become yes. companions more so than like just watching Tej and Roman being like tripping over themselves to flirt with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It plays a lot better in my eyes. It feels it feels less weird, right? Like if they like wind up together, like if like Tej and Ramsey just like you know hack themselves hack themselves into the sunset or whatever, then that's <laughs> fine by me. But it was like the competition and the like that stuff that was like, uh, okay, I'm over it. I mean, maybe as the franchise transitions into more queer visibility, maybe they go into ethical non-monogamy. Maybe they go into a throuple. Maybe, you know, oh. Joe, you've talked about before and you've been shamed by Nico about your, your misuse of the word like harem and like whatever. But like maybe they get into a loving, you know, polyamorous relationship. Maybe. Okay. Maybe they just, they're just all just one couple. Yeah. Because Roman fine. and Tez, you know, if they're, if they're going to die in space, you think that they don't kiss? <laughs> you tell me that they're really not gonna the, they're the only people out there they're not gonna kiss i i don't think so just because i don't know how they released that movie in like china right? well we don't see it i'm just saying on yeah, also they, they can't really take off their helmets because then they'll explode won't they i don't oh, know how true. space works in this movie i don't think they know how space works in this movie sometimes <laughs> Like oh, there are so many things that I think if you're if you're this deep into the Fast and Furious universe, mm-hmm. you just have to check some things at the door. You know, when yeah, when you yeah, go yeah. into the movie theater, like physics, math. Even though Ludacris kept mentioning math, you got to check that at the door. Uh, you know, a, a grounded sensibility. Like you got kind of got to check that at the door when when we're looking at a movie where magnets can control everything. No, actually, magnets only control certain things. In this movie, which is one of my biggest grips mm. about the magnet things, is like the car doesn't like get attracted to a building; just everything from the building flies out. Nate, what do you think of Cipher in this movie? Given that she's kind of barely in it, I mean, obviously we all love Charlize. Uh, yeah, 
we have to give her credit for the upgrade uh, in in choice of hairstyles. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like it better? You like this one better? I do. Like I I like the I like the kind of sexy Pete Rose look she's going for. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like look out here looking like a pretty shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, We've been calling it the Karen, but I like the sexy Pete Rose more. Sexy Pete Rose is so much better. <laughs> Charlie Hustle out here. Uh, it feels almost like Cipher is having more, or Charlize maybe, is having more fun in this movie despite having far less to do. There's more personality uh, in this version of Cypher, like just the way she constantly kept setting Otto up just to cut him down with her remarks. Uh, I thought those were pretty funny. And this is why I, I kind of wish we didn't have Otto in here. Like, I understand he's a plot point, uh, and maybe he leads to something bigger in one of the subsequent films. But give me Charlize Theron and John Cena on screen, like, in more scenes. That's what I wanted. Because uh, I thought they their one interaction they really had was kind of kind of funny. But I wish we got more. I wish we got more. Like, and, and I they, they did fake me out because I thought, like, at the very end, I'm like, did they kill Charlize in that uh, plane? And then right. it turned out to be like, nope, this is just like that. Uh, yes, the drone. This is kind of like the end of Fast and the Furious where the gold people were flying the planes and uh, the uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, when the Guardians killed the gold people in the planes, but they weren't really killed because they were doing it virtually. I'm like, okay, we, we see you live to live to fight again another day, Cypher. See you next movie. Is Cypher the big bad, or is there someone yet to be revealed that will be above her? Is she going to be the main, like, in the pay-per-view analogy, is she the, the final fight between the family and her, or is there someone else that you think we've not yet met? I would I would like it if Cypher was our ultimate uh, big mm-hmm. villain or our ultimate top heel in the territory. Uh, but I think being Fast and the Furious, she will likely be the main villain uh, until a bigger villain usurps her in in, in eleven, and, and then, then she, she joins the family. She has to join the family, of course, because why yeah. not? <laughs> now we we mentioned earlier, speaking of villains and conflict, we mentioned earlier no DJ in this movie. But if you stuck around in the credits, did you see mm. the scene where Statham he emerges? Said it, yeah, you did. Okay, yes. What do you think? Because this whole movie was teased with justice is coming. And justice was not served. Han is back, but the conflict between him and Statham only, or him and Deckard only shows up in the credits and it's wordless, right? Like, what do yeah. you make of that? Is that going to come to terms in in 10? Are they cool? Like, are we supposed to accept that they, you know, hash that off screen? Like, for a movie that, that promises justice is coming, there's, there's not a lot of justice to be found here. No, not a lot of justice at all. Uh, I think, well, I'm, I'm of two minds about this. I think... It would be really interesting if a lot of what we got in 10 was about Han and uh, Deckard, but it probably won't be because we've got a lot of stuff to tell in 10 and 11, and I don't know how much real estate they're going to give to that story. Uh, Maybe if we get another Hobbs and Shaw, like we could have Han in there. Like I think that'd be a cool wrinkle to the dynamic. I'm also kind of still confused about all of this Mr. Nobody espionage stuff because if Shaw didn't kill Han, are we as the audience still supposed to be mad at Shaw? I feel like we're supposed to be mad at Dom for killing a guy who didn't kill his friend or mm. trying to kill a guy who didn't kill his friend. Yeah, like that's, like, that's, a, that's an exaggeration. I understand that. Why, but like, why should Shaw be like at the end of the when when Han shows up at the door, like, 
Statham's not scared because Jason Statham doesn't do scared, but he's got a he's got a, a a concerned look on his face. Why should he be concerned if he didn't kill this man in the first place? Well, okay, so let's let's walk this back. So yes, please help me, guys. Help me understand. In this. six, Owen Shaw takes on the family. At the end of that movie, he's hospitalized by the by the actions of the family. Correct. Yes. yes. Start of seven, Deckard, a character we are introduced to in the credit scene of six, who has ostensibly killed Han before Han comes back in the end of Tokyo Drift, which is retcon number one. Well, I guess it's retcon number two, because retcon number one is putting Tokyo Drift after six, but yes. yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So retcon one A. Deckard vows vengeance on his brother for trying for for the family tr- like trying to kill him or putting him in the hospital. So he kills Han and says, Toretto, I'm coming for you. Ostensibly kills Han. So he tries to kill Han. Yes. He, I don't think he's wrong in trying to avenge his brother, mm-hmm. but we also don't want him to kill our family. No. But it's family for family. So at the end of that movie, he gets thrown in jail. He and Hobbs are enemies, become, you know, begrudging friends. They spin off and whatever. So... The moral of the story, by me saying things that we already all know, they're both right and they're both wrong. I think we're mad at Deckard for trying to kill Han, mm-hmm. but it's like, I guess you can still get mad at somebody for attempted murder, even if they're not charged <laughs> yeah. with actual murder, right? You can, for That's sure. Fair. That's fair. I mean, unless this is the Ashley Judd film, Double Jeopardy, which I feel like, and I, oh. based on nothing, I feel like that might be a Nate Milton favorite. Just, I don't know why. I just mm. feel like maybe Double Jeopardy is a Nate Milton favorite. But, like, you know, can he be accused of the same crime, crime twice? And, and here's the thing. Like, obviously, we, we all, all of us, I, th- I think I can speak for the majority of your audience. Like, we all love Han. And we yes. all thought that uh, the way Shaw was kind of brought in and embraced by the family, it felt kind of off. Because, yeah, this is the guy that, at that point, we believe killed Han. I, that's why I need more Mr. Nobody, because Mr. Nobody, you you got some explaining to do, Mr. Nobody, because I, I need you to tell me uh, how you, you know, cooked up this plan and, and uh, hit Han and this and that. Like, we need, we need uh, you know, to go back to the Matrix days where there was just all of this ancillary content, comics and movies and video games. Oh, I so you the, want an Animatrix for the Fast and yes, Furious. I need okay. the, the Fast and Furious Animatrix. I need the video game told from Mr. Nobody's perspective about how he's actually been the one pulling the strings all these years. And I feel like that's something, like, I understand why you do this, but we had five or six seasons of Spy Racers. We had Fast and Furious Crossroads that are in this universe but telling their own story. But I do, I do kind of want, you know, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of what's going mm. on. I don't know if we're going to get that before 10, though. We might just get the that The more after. we talk about this, though, the more we talk about this, and I hate that that uh, you you may be right about this, the more we talk about this, Mr. Nobody might end up being the, the big bad, much like right. uh, Mr. Right. Sinister, for anybody that reads the X-Men comics, like Mr. Sinister was always trying to manipulate what was going on with Summer's family and, and the, the, the cause of a lot of their pain and turmoil. Mr. Nobody, yeah, he's helping us out. Mr. Nobody's helping out the family. But he also is the one that like got everybody into this spy game. Like Yes. And puts them in bad situations all the yes. time. Like danger. Puts them here's in the, danger. Here's the other thing that we've talked about. He knows Han is not dead. And, and he never told them. He still drives the family to try to kill Deckard in seven. Like he shows up in mm-hmm. seven to help the family take down Deckard, even though he knows Deckard didn't kill Han. 
Like, what's going on? There? I know that's all retcon that they didn't have that planned at the time or whatever, but still, how do you read that? Mr. Nobody's the bad guy. We, we, we've cracked the case, boys. <laughs> we've done it. <laughs> the, I guess then the question is, is his entire organization evil or is he a rogue agent within the Nobody organization? I think the entire organization's evil and I think that what's going to happen... Even Ryan Reynolds? The most I think, evil well, I mean, I, I think it's like that they're just like doing their job, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, the, like he's at the top, the organization's evil. And I think what's going to happen is that we're going to find out that like everything that Charlize was doing was actually for the good. Oh wow. And they and like the family kind of flips instead of like her joining the family type situation. She did kill a, a a woman that had just had a baby though. That's not good guy behavior. That's So okay, that's if we're true. If, if we're doing a Star Wars analogy cuz I feel like that's maybe the most common archetypal, there's like Palpatine at the top and then there's Vader. Yes. Is Ryan Reynolds a stormtrooper or is he above stormtrooper? Ooh, like we're like he's how like stormtrooper to me. He's stormtrooper. Okay. Yeah, that that's how, okay. So then the question is: Do we know Palpatine or is he still to come? What level is Mister Nobody at? What level is Charlize is is Cipher at? Mister Nobody is going to be at the top, if not like he's going to be at the very top or like one down from the top. Mm. And Charlize is on the complete other side. Like they're they, they, they're opposition. Like Charlize and Mister Nobody, them working together would be the most surprising thing to me. Charlize is Mace Windu. So you okay? So you you so we in this analogy, we think that the family is Jedi, but they have in fact just been conscripted by the Empire, and we don't know that we're working for the Empire. Yes, exactly. And oh, wow. Cipher is a rogue Jedi or just a third party or something. And they're going to, and she's going to convince somehow the family to that who they're working for is actually evil all along. I think the other way. I think that they're going to discover that Mr. Nobody's evil and turn and be like, oh, shit, Cypher might have been right. And, and then, unite with Cypher. And unite with Cypher, yeah. More so than she convinces them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a twist. That's what, that's what I've been playing out in my head lately, and I think that that's how it's going. <laughs> There's levels. There's so many levels to this. It makes sense. It's kind of like all right there. Like, those dots would connect pretty easy, right? You did bring up that, like, why would you kill Elena? Like, that's that's something we have to overcome. Not cool, well, if Cypher is a true third party, like a neutral agent, if, if killing Elena is in her best interest... She's not or aligned the, with either for side. The good, the good of the of the universe, right? Yes. For the greater good. Yeah. Yes. For the greater good, like she needed Dom to help do this, mm. and like that was the only way to do it. She just didn't know that, like, because I think her as a third party makes the most sense because she just doesn't value anybody's life but her own. Yes. So she's really like a rogue assassin, chaotic neutral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the family at the end of the day, the family have to be the heroes, you know, like uh, yes, yeah. like our guy, uh, evil NASCAR, evil evil regional NASCAR racer said at the beginning of the movie, uh, the Toretto's always got to be the heroes. I think the family's got to be the good guys. Cipher can do the right thing, but I don't think Cipher is quote unquote redeemable because of what she's done. But I think she will help if if nobody is like the Palpatine of this whole thing. Now, when you say she's going to do the right thing, we just covered Inside Man. Are you talking about Spike Lee's do the right thing? Is she going to do, are we going to get Sal's pizza in the <laughs> yeah, first Yeah, she's going to own a pizzeria. Cool. Uh, and, and, and Dom be like, how come you ain't got no brothers on the wall, Cypher? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. 
I see it. So so it's not really a redemptive arc for Cypher. It's more that I guess it, it kind of is, but it's more like the family realizes and then has to appeal that they were to being her best, duped. better judgment. Yeah, that they were yeah. that they were kind of being duped by Mister Nobody, and that although they were saving the world, they were saving the world for evil. And in like one last hurrah, they switch to Cipher's side, take down all of the what the the nowhere nobody no no one situation mm. organization. Well, I don't think I don't think they switch to Cipher's side. I think their their motives are their motivations are aligned in that moment. Yes. So, okay. So then, fair. Yes. That. That. That's a better explanation. I where in this analogy is Etion? Is it with the the, the Empire? You know, of not good. Is it with Cipher as a neutral? Is it a separate oh, neutral, it or do, is it, or is it not in this universe at all? Because you know, Hobbs and Shaw will never cross over. I think mm. it's evil, to, or it, it could go either way. But I think I think it's evil. I think I think it's evil. And so I you think, think Etion like, is working with Mister Nobody? That it's like a shell corporation underneath the nobody, nowhere, know-how group. Hmm. Because if you remember back to Hobbs and Shaw, Nate, there was that voice of the Etion director who was voiced just because they didn't want to cast an actor. It mm. was the voice was done by Ryan Reynolds. So we were like, oh, like I thought it was Charlize, but it turned out it was actually Ryan Reynolds doing the voice just because they didn't want to like burn Keanu or whatever. If that was actually Ryan Reynolds, then that would align the existing Mr. Nobody organization with Etion, one and the same. Mm. That's just a convenience of casting, fitting into like the convenience yeah. of storytelling. Much like we've been using the wrestling analogy a lot uh, tonight, boys, I feel like sometimes in wrestling you stumble upon a story. Yeah. And then you retrofit it to make it make sense. You know, like sure. there's there's been times where, you know, a guy will – blow a spot and it's not what was scripted in the match and we'll just turn that into a story going forward or you know somebody will say something in in public you know or on social media and that gets turned into a story because so many people are talking about it and i think yeah there's a way you can kind of retroactively put all of these pieces together to make them make sense and make them like this really intriguing, like this really has been a saga. You just did not know it. You thought you thought this was all about racing cars and selling bootleg DVD players. This this is bigger than this, Joey. This this is a, about the 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 government and and the secret shadow organizations within the government and and about free will and all this other stuff that that, that the Fast and Furious has been trying to teach us for years. So th- this is a you guys. You're not just doing a podcast talking about. <laughs> Action movies. You guys are, are really uh, letting the people know about these hard-hitting topics that are being uh, revealed and, and being explained through media, and, and you should be saluted for that. Joey, you haven't asked Nate our main question yet. For the lap? Yeah. I, I didn't have one. I think I was pushing up because I don't really know who to pick. But what? Nate, all, all, lap, all I mean, you know, there's a lot of options, but I just I, I wasn't thinking about it while watching this movie. But Nate, all lap long in every episode that we've done, because this is the heist lap, because in between these movies, we're watching heist films. From mm-hmm. each movie, we are each picking a character we think we would want on a heist job. If you don't know the job it's going to be, but just you need, you need to take down a heist, you need to rob a bank or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which character from this movie do you want on your team and why? Joe, you seem incredulous that I do not have a pick. What's your pick? Who's your pick for this movie? There's so many good picks in this movie, like so many. And I think I that's can, the issue that I was having. There's, there's too many. Like it's everybody's too many. Super, a lot of people super heroic at this point. Super heroic, doing lots of actions. I gotta go with the only person in this movie that actually completes a heist. 
And that's Queenie. Ooh. I took Deckard last time. I think Queenie can keep Deckard in check. She has the connections. She actually walks out of a store with a di- like a necklace. She drives <laughs> Dom around. I think that she's the perfect pick for this movie. Although there's great, great other picks. Nate, who would you pick? Queenie's yeah, really good. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a you main know, someone who's been anyone, better yeah. in another movie. If you're just like, I'd love this Dom from this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I think Dom was better in Seven, but I love him here. Like, you can pick Dom. Just like from this movie, which character portrayal do you think you would want on a team? Yeah, Queenie's really good. Um, obviously, any of the family, uh, they, like this is what they do. They they would be good in a heist situation. Uh, you know, we saw my boys. Uh, uh, I don't even know what to call them anymore because they've switched their names so many times in, in these films. Oh, Leon Santos. Yes. Like I think at They're one point team. they were like Tago and and Rico and Tago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I love those guys. So it was good seeing them for a little bit. Uh, but. There's only one answer here, uh, and I, I am incredulous uh, that, that nobody uh, has picked this man yet, uh, even though uh, we've only had yep. one person pick. It's Jacob, <laughs> man. Like, it's you, ja- you Jacob. Jacob's a great choice. It's a yet. great choice. Yeah, I agree. Jacob all the way. Like, as Jacob said, this is my world. Like, you know, if we're doing something, uh, a heist, if we Jacob has the physicality. Jacob has yes. the intelligence. Jacob yep. can drive. Jacob can shoot. Uh, he's got connections. He looks good in a suit, like that scene mm-hmm. with him and Dom. And like, I'm like, okay, John Cena, you getting a little flossy out here? Uh, yeah. Jacob is the guy that I would have for my heist team. He's also a guy, and maybe I'm getting too literal and real world with this. Jacob's a guy that can blend in anywhere because Jacob is just like uh, a good looking, handsome white dude <laughs> that you can't. Sometimes you can see him, sometimes you can't, but he's a good looking, handsome white dude. I was going to say, how is a guy who's like six? Six five, built like an upside down pyramid. That's like two hundred sixty pounds, all muscle. How is he going to blend in? But I guess you're right. Yes, because here's the thing. Like, I- I'm planning for every heist, right? So like, we 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 doing some upscale heists. We doing some heists out in the countryside. We doing some yeah. heists overseas. Yeah. You know that there might be places, given historical factors, where if I bring Taz or Roman, we might stick out in a heist situation. That's that's so terrible. That's, that's, that's all true. I'm saying, fellas. It's so terrible that it's true. Yeah, I have to like, think of all of the eventualities. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the list of people that I've picked. So just movie by movie, here is like the, the Fast and Furious movies. Here, Joe, here's who you picked, just as a refresher, because this is the last time we're going to play I have, this. I have the list right in front of me, yeah. You got Vince. You got yep. Tej. Yep. You got Brian from the fourth one, because we put six later. We put Tokyo yep. Drift later. Then you got Mia. Yep. Then you got Dom. Yep. You got Uncle Kamada. Yep. You got Letty. Yep. You got Cypher. You got Queenie. Mm. Oh, you got Deckard in between there. In, in Hobbs and Joy, you got Deckard. Yeah. And I took Letty. I took Jimmy. Somehow I won with Jimmy. I don't know how that happened, but I won with Jimmy. Then I got Dom. got Leo and Santos. Ja. I have a weird team. Han. <laughs> Mr. Nobody. Ramsey. And Hattie. Ooh. And I think there's a lot of good options here. I think that's the issue that I was having. I'm going to go with someone I have not picked yet, but it is someone that you picked already, Joe. What? I'm going to go with a man, as far as we know, the only member of the family who built a working spaceship. I'm going to go Tej. Because not only can he build a spaceship with the help of some friends yeah. and family, he yeah. also fly it, too. And yeah. I feel like That's he's insane. going to be able to get by with a little help of a little bit of duct tape. So Tej <laughs> with a roll of duct tape in his back pocket. Some numbers, a calculator, maybe. any, Or just like a Casio watch or something with a calculator function. What, like a slide rule. Yeah. Even if he had a slide rule. 
I I think that just about anybody by this point, anybody like if you want Roman, you mm-hmm. can take Roman. I mean, I don't think Roman's the, the pick, but Roman could be the pick if he is invincible. Like he he yeah. goes through that entire gunfight, doesn't Ramsey's take a bullet. Ramsey's a great one this time. I liked Ram Han. Mm-hmm. None of us have taken Han. Han comes back to yeah. life and was like saving L. Mm-hmm. L is a great one. I love young Han. I think this Han is is so interesting because he's a Han that has lived like all these years protecting this girl and like honing his skills and basically living a solitary life. Like I want more from this Han. Yeah, I think that there's just like there were so many good options this time. This group in nine is probably the best heist team. Mm. Right? Like overall. Do you guys think this? Joey, do you think this? Like nine ha- like they're all so fucking good at everything. I agree, and I think it's 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 annoying how good they are. Like there's something yeah. there's something to the the scrappy group of underdogs that you're like, I want to root for these people. Like here, the stakes have been raised; they are dealing the with extreme. bigger threats, right? Yeah. yeah. But you know they have to because they're all perfect, right? They're all as good at everything as they possibly can be. Yep, I agree. Nate, did you have any other thoughts about F9? Because we got a couple games, or at least one game to play. But any other thoughts you want to share about this movie in particular? What are you hoping for in mm. 10? Yeah, a couple uh, final thoughts about F9. Again, like I said, even though I have some quibbles with the film, for the most part, I enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely, at this point, like it better than I like uh, 8. It's not going to crack into, like, the top five with, like, you know, that that run. Like, 5, 6, and 7. To me, yeah. like, that's yeah. that's the perfect sweet spot. Here's what we got really quick. Your rankings at, from top to bottom right now, as you gave to us when you were on, when you ranked, I think, for too fast, maybe. You got five, seven, six, four, two, three, Hobbs, one, eight. So you got eight in last place, which is still seems like it's going to be there. But So you mm-hmm. put this somewhere in the middle, but not necessarily above Tokyo Drift. Somewhere yeah, this is definitely over Hobbs. Um, I think I would put this on par. Uh, what, what did I have right before Hobbs and Shaw? Right before Hobbs and Shaw, you had Tokyo Drift at six and Too Fast at five. Okay, no, this I don't like this uh, more than I like Tokyo or Too Fast, but I do like it more than I like Hobbs. So kind of right in that middle area. Sure. Okay, got it. But yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. Um, it. It was it was good. Uh, it was good fun. I think this movie would have done better with a little bit of streamlining. Like maybe you can have uh, a, a ninety-minute version of this movie that's a little tighter a little more focused, and then we put everything else on, like, the director's extended cut, where it's really an extended cut because we're giving you, like, 45 uh, minutes more movie. So what would you cut? Like, what, like, because you need to cut sort of significant, yeah. if you want to trim this down to, like, under two hours, you need mm-hmm. to cut significant stuff. Like, what storyline or storylines you coming back, Just, pretty much, for me, at least. Sorry to interrupt, but, like... Mm. But that's, how they, cut, that's how they sold this movie, though, man. Like, that's, that, yeah, you know... Yeah. That's how they sold this movie, but I don't think you need... Like, if you're stri- if you're streamlining it... I get it, it would, I get it. Yeah, you'd cut that out, you cut out I think auto. we've got too many escapes and captures. Like, okay. I think we could do with one less escape and capture. Because uh, okay. I think the family get captured twice in this movie. Uh, maybe even a third time, and they escape each time. Uh, like, even though it's a fun scene, like... The Cardi B scene where Cardi B and her squad breaks oh, yeah. Dom out. Like, that's fun. But is it necessary? No. I get it. You know, you, you want you want Cardi B in the movie. Cardi's great. Uh, but I think there's – you probably could have cut back on some of the flashbacks. Did we – like, I love Michael Rooker. Did we really need to go visit Michael Rooker? No. No? Twice. Yeah. 
Uh, so I think but also, was... like, it's the same kind of thing, like, you're going to cast him, like, so just don't write that character in, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're totally deleting this. It's like, it just never happened. This is what you got. Yeah. Like, I think there's some ways they could have tightened it up a little bit. Uh, but I did enjoy it. And I, I think this was a good, this is a good Dom movie. Because I feel like Dom, he's like, you know, he's a great character. We all love Dom. But Dom can kind of feel one note and cliche at times. Uh, and this is no shade to Vin, but I feel like putting Cena in the mix here, like we got a, we got a little different vibe from Dom. We got a little more from Dom. And uh, as as a kid who grew up uh, in a, in a uh, religious household or a spiritual household, Dom, when uh, he he's fighting the uh, the armed forces of uh, Otto, and he does the move where he like brings down the entire. Uh, section of that facility on himself oh my god i know it was very much like samson like let me die with the philistines like <laughs> i'm gonna destroy myself but take down all of my enemies it's like okay like you know what at this point yes dom is superhuman he can tear down buildings with his bare hands he can run through walls uh i, I like this movie and i think on future future watches i'll probably like it even a bit more uh than i do right now so now here's here's the next question. Momoa, we know in 10, is a villain. Jacob mm-hmm. no longer a villain. Jacob part of the family. We got Brie Larson in some unnamed role. Maybe good, maybe bad. We got Daniela Melchior, rat catcher from Suicide Squad, mm. in some unknown role. Maybe good, maybe bad. Uh, we've got a couple other characters. We've got the guy who plays Jack Reacher in the new Jack Reacher TV series on Amazon Prime. Maybe good, maybe bad. I don't know. The movies are not getting smaller. We're not losing any characters. Han still there statham deckard there now too what happens in 10 how do we balance even more stories even more characters even more maybe family villains neutral parties what do we do in 10 Nate? i think we kind of talked about it you know i was originally of the idea that cypher was our main ultimate in-game villain but yeah maybe the only threat that is worthy of standing up to the family is like a negative or inverse family. And that family is led by Mr. Nobody. And we've got uh, Momoa. We've got uh, Captain Marvel, of all people, uh, in this franchise with Brie Larson. We've got, you yeah. know, the, the we've got all, because the family's an all-star team at this point. Yes, yeah. So you can't just come out on the court with a with an average team to play these all-stars. You got to get your own all-star squad put together. And I think, the more we talk about it, the more, even though I don't want to see Kurt Russell play the villain, I think he, he'll he'll kill it. I think he'd enjoy it. And I think you could have a lot of fun with an evil version or a negative version of our family facing off against the, the real family. Now, do you think that that is too similar to what they did in 6 and then also with Dom going against the family in 8? Or is this like a remix, like a positive spin mm-hmm. on like stories we've already seen? It is similar, but I think it's a little bit different because you're combining them, right? You're combining sure, okay. the, the betrayal of nobody, much like the betrayal of Dom. That's a and great also, subtitle. Just the betrayal of nobody. It's like, what is that? Betrayal of nobody. You know what that title. Great book title. <laughs> this movie's going nowhere. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, you can going the nowhere fast. Ooh, yes, we did it. We did it. Mm-hmm. Call, call a universal. We've got their tagline. Yeah, we know that you've already shot the movie, but we got the new title, we got the new story, yes. just give us a call. 
Like, hey, Justin, we got uh, the Joes from the Fast and Furious, uh, Too Fast, <laughs> Too Forever on the line. Uh, they, they got a tagline for you. Uh, I don't know why the person talking to Justin Lin sounds like he's out of the 40s. Also, Justin Lin, if you don't remember, no longer associated with the film. He left. He quit the production. So we got Louis Leterrier. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. You didn't know so that? This, he, is his, quit, this was like, his last film. First week no, of, first week like of shooting, week. He, quit, yeah. he quit the production. Could not deal with there. one Mr. Vin Diesel. Wow. He was on set. They were shooting the first week, and, and he goes, ah, this maybe isn't for me. And you left. should watch. Oh, the, wow. If you can st- I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'm sure people have saved it. Vin Diesel put up an Instagram video, like day one here hype, on set. Video. What do you think? What do you think? And it looks like Justin Lin is being held hostage. He's <laughs> oh, like, "What do you no. think, my man?" And he's just like, "Yeah, it's gonna be pretty good, pretty good." He's like, "We're working." And then, wow. like three days later, Justin Lin leaves as director, staying on as a producer, looking for a new director. They get Louis Leterrier of the Transporter films, but yeah, he is no longer attached. Oh wow! Like how how bad must that experience have been for Justin Lin? Like That's one of the I'm names saying. synonymous yep. with this. Like people were clamoring for him to come back, and he came back, and like Justin Lin's back, and now Justin Lin's like, you know what? I, I unlike Tom Brady, I should have stayed retired from this particular project. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, unlike I, Tom I'm Brady taking eleven days away from the team to hang out with Giselle and fix his marriage, he's like, I'm gonna go fix my marriage, you know, on its own. <laughs> Oh, so that 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 I did not know that. So that is uh, I'm you're getting my genuine first reaction to that news. So that that throws a wrench in some things because I feel like if Vin has more power, then maybe that means we're not gonna get Dwayne, which is to me to the detriment of the next two films. Oh yeah, we think Vin is the guy, for better or worse. Mm. In terms of power, not in and terms of like what we want. At this point, that we're not gonna get more Dwayne, just based on everything he said and like the last like little brother, big brother comments on Instagram. I yeah. think, and then like The Rock came back out and was just like, "Yeah, Vin can just dick off." Yeah, because we talked much. about on here, and I think on your show too, that we thought it might be like wrestling, like he's they're separating to like give the people what they want, like oh, mm-hmm. this is like you know, it's all theater, but it's it doesn't feel like theater anymore. If you have somebody like a Lynn there as maybe the mediator, you could get you could maybe get the guys to play ball for the sake of the film and the franchise and the fans and their own pocketbooks and their own self-interest. But if we're in a world now where and, and it's not to say anything really negative about Ben. Like Ben is for better or for worse, he's he's been the heart of this franchise. And for everybody that loves the franchise, you gotta kinda give credit to Ben for getting this thing going. But to to not have the Rock back in this, I think, is a huge mistake because I agree. It he added so much. That's the problem. Like it's not like it's not a huge mistake or something like that. Like I just think that the Rock's like I'm I'm big enough that like I don't need this. Right? He's Black Adam's coming out. And I think the the if if there was somebody in the middle, like the Rock would play ball. But if it's like I'm going to Vin's 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 world, uh, like much like Jacob told Dom, you're in my world now. Like, nah, I got better things to do. Well, because yeah. the other thing that we have heard is that Dwayne has talked about that when Hobbs and Shaw was in theaters, they greenlit a sequel, and we've heard no news since then. But in mm-hmm. the last six months or something, Dwayne has come out and said 
he's got ideas, he's got an idea for a story so that his character can ride off into the sunset. So whether that means he's going to retire as Mm -hmm. Hobbes or kill Hobbes off or whatever, it feels like he is now in control of this character in a way that, like, I don't know if Vin has control of the... I don't don't know. It's it's this weird give-and-take, push-and-pull that nobody's really happy. Mm. So, yeah, is that... That that you give me uh, a lot to to ponder uh, a quarter mile at a time, but kind of taking out all of that information into context of what I want now from the film, I still kind of want that big final team up. But knowing that we're not going to have the whole team assembled, it does. It's kind of like, and for anybody that's of a certain age, when you had video games, sports video games, where players didn't sign the licensing agreements for their yeah. respective sports, and it's like. You're playing with the Chicago Bulls, but instead of <laughs> Michael Jordan, it's like dribbling up the court. It's Malik Jackson. It's like, why does he look exactly like Michael Jordan and have yeah. all Michael Jordan stats, but he's Malik Jackson? Or when uh, John Dowd was a character in a Major League Baseball game because Barry Bonds wouldn't sign off on the agreement. Uh, it's like, okay, like we're having fun. The team's here, but a big part of the team's not here. And, you know, I think – not having DJ there, it, it, it definitely could affect things. Another thing I'm kind of worried about, and we hadn't talked about this part yet. How do you guys feel about the fact that we are still in this universe existing as if everything is cool with Brian? Because I don't know how I kind of felt about that mid credit scene where Brian's car pulls up down the street. I'm kind of like, I get it. It's I, I, And I there's part of me that likes that, but there's also part of me that's like, why promise something that you can't truly pay off? So they're uh, trying. Yeah. Is the, is the answer. Is okay. it like from all accounts, like they're letting Paul's brother come back okay. to somehow bring Paul Walker back to the franchise. Hmm. That's always what his family wanted too, by the way. I don't think okay. I want him back. I think that I like don't. the way that he left is so perfect. I'm just glad that Mia is back, that they figured out a way also to get true. Jordana Brewster back in the movies without being like, well, she's got to be with Paul. She's got to be with Brian. Yeah. We can't have her back without having him back, and he can't come back, so she can't come back. It's like, no, mm. she can be here. He's babysitting. That's fine. I, yeah, I did, I did like that. Like, like That's a plausible, like, Brian's babysitting the kids because he's somebody mm-hmm. that can protect the kids. Like, yeah. I like that. Uh, even though it's like, yeah, like I, I understand what you're saying with the brothers, but and 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 again, all respect to the family and their wishes, but it's like just as a viewer, speaking yep. selfishly for myself, I don't think you get better than the way they sent him off. In nope. seven. No. correct. But Joe, you but Joe, you want him back? No, no, no. I'm I, I'm firmly in the camp that like I'm fine without him okay. being back. Even in, this is going to sound really shitty. Like even if you have to get rid of Mia too. Like to keep to prevent them from trying to CGI bring back Paul Walker through his brother, which I think can go terribly wrong. I would rather have the other way, which is like it sucks, but we have Mia come back when she's not babysitting type situations. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it, like it's fucked for her, but like it works better to me. You putting a lot of faith in the powers of CGI, which yeah, as we've learned, like. And I love I love uh, the She Hulk show. Don't get me wrong, but they got She Hulk out here looking like a PlayStation Three uh, sprite on the screen at, at points because CGI is tough, man. VFX is tough, particularly when you got people that are overworked and, and underpaid for the yes, uh, services yes. they render. And so we're not just doing something to make it look like Paul Walker for two seconds. Like if this is a Brian that's actually going to interact in this world, 
that's a lot of work, man. And it could be a situation where you kind of get like that uncanny valley effect. And I don't think that's the way people want to remember Paul or, or this that's, character. That's my biggest fear that you totally nailed it. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yep. I think what I would be okay with if we keep extending the pay-per-view analogy or the end game analogy. You remember mm. like an end game when all of the MCU characters come through those portals and it's like everybody's here. Like we have this vision of everybody like Suki shows up in a car, Leo mm-hmm, and Santo mm-hmm. show up in a car, everybody's in a car. If Brian's yes. one of those, love okay. it. But if Fine. Brian's okay. like a yeah. central character, I, too much. Yes, yes. Fair. I like that a lot now. The way you just described that, like, yeah, if we see his car and we get a glimpse of, uh, you know, the CGI version of Brian, like, I'm cool with that. You know, he he can ride up right next to my guy that was uh, the the uh, street racing king of Havana um, yeah, from, yeah. Uh, from eight. <laughs> like, like, they can ride up together. But, like, anything more than that, I think, like, if we need actual scenes, particularly with Mia or with Dom, I don't know if it, if it can work. I agree. I agree full heart, wholeheartedly. Any other thoughts, Nate, about this movie or the future? I mean, I, I had fun with it, like I said, and I'll definitely rewatch it. I might even, you know, uh, splurge and, and treat myself and, and watch the extended director's cut uh, to, to get all those uh, glorious seven minutes that uh, you've experienced. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful for the future of the franchise. You know, hearing the news about Justin Lin, like, makes me less hopeful, but I'm still yeah. hopeful that, you know, You've got a lot of people, Vin included, right? Because, you know, I don't, I don't want to make Vin the bad guy in this, but you've got a lot of people working on this franchise that love this franchise, uh, that really care about their characters and care about the story and care about the fans to a certain extent. You know, people like Tyrese and Ludacris, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, like people that love this franchise and want to do right by it. So I'm hopeful that they can kind of land the plane in the next two films. Uh, and then I don't know what's next because – this thing makes way too much money to disappear yep. forever. Yeah. So yep. what's the next phase of the Fast and the Furious universe? I think what is interesting, we have not talked about this yet, is that for a while they were saying this is going to be the end, two more movies. We haven't heard them say that in maybe two years. Mm. You're right. You're right. That doesn't mean it's not. that's not what they're thinking, but they're not saying this is the end anymore. Mm-hmm. You're right. Oh, maybe we get a time like the beginning jump. or. Yeah. Maybe we get a time jump, fellas, between uh, uh, ten and uh, nine and ten, uh, and then uh, little baby Brian is all grown up, and he this carries on the mantle. We've always pitched that, like the people from like all the kids are just like the next gen. Yes. And by the time that they, they, they get old enough, that they'll just like reboot it from the beginning <laughs> with like. Baby Dom, Baby Brian. I think that is something that is nice and understated about this movie is that it does not take place immediately after eight. It is the natural like three or four years later and mm-hmm. they've settled into a life and Baby Brian is no longer a baby. He's like, you know, a four year old or whatever. Like, I think that that's a very nice logical jump. And, you know, I think we need to maybe go more than just the two years since the last movie came out. But if we go six, eight, ten years, I just don't need a uh, Endgame five years later yes. very dramatic moment just like set up you know in the future i mean we kind of had a little in-game illusion where uh in in-game uh spoiler alert if you haven't seen in-game uh steve and natasha and bruce ride up to tony stark's rustic cabin uh that he shares with pepper Potts and their daughter and in this movie uh tyrese and Ludacris and ramsey mm-hmm. came in mm-hmm. peace to talk to dom and letty at their rustic ranch out in the middle of the woods so it, it, it kind of had the same vibe Truly. Joe, do you have any other thoughts about F9? No, I cut all mine in. 
then let us play this ain't no 10 second race aka boy do we Mm. have a podcast for you boy do we have a podcast for you come and check out our show yeah yeah so nate this is the game where we go on twitter.com aka the bird app find a tweet from anybody who's not listening to our show and we tweet at them from the at too fast too forever account so nate please go on twitter and find a tweet and send it either to me or to Too Fast, whichever way makes sense to you. Maybe send it to me, or it doesn't matter. I'll find it either way. And we're going to respond to them from the account. Just somebody maybe tweeting about F9 or the franchise or Fast X mm-hmm. or whatever. But while you do that, and Joe, if you haven't found one yet, while you look, I already I'm going to review last episode where we had Kate Aroldson on to talk about Hobbs and Shaw and how they got the science wrong. I found last time B, B-E-A, at Abernathy. No, Vanessa as Tally talking about Hattie Shaw. I just collapsed. And there's a video of her talking about Hattie as a different character. And we said Hattie Shaw is the best part of this movie. Vanessa Kirby can do no wrong. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. I thought I got a like. We did not get a like. So swing and a miss, zero. Okay. And Joe, you found Flip at Mr. Flippy 616. I don't care. I love Hobbs and Shaw. And then a picture of Hobbs and Shaw. And we said, we totally agree. This movie is a blast. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. And I thought you got a like, too, but there's no like there either. So I don't know what I'm picturing. I don't know what happened, but oh for 2. Okay. And then Kate found Dr. Philip Lee at Dr. Philip Lee 1. Watching Hobbs and Shaw, Citizen Kane can kiss my ass. We said, The Rock has so many more muscles than Orson Welles. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. And Kate got no points either. I really mm. swear we that some night kind of likes. Yeah. we got two likes. Like, I think you and I each got a point. But as of now, no likes in any of them. So swing and a miss, zero points across the board. Now, I found a tweet. Nate, did you find one yet that you want to play? Yes, I just sent one to you. All right, let me find it. Joe, can you please hit us with yours first? Yes, I'm going with Low, a.k.a. Christopher Tracy at Heir to the Throne. Or Heir to the Prince, sorry. At Heir to the Prince. Finally watching the last Fast and Furious movie, F9 might be my favorite. Dom being a dad is amazing to watch. I want to say something about... And Letty being a mom too. Hashtag family. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. (laughs) I'm saying don't forget Letty as a mom too. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Perfect. Nate, please hit us with yours. Yes. So the one I hit you with, uh, Joey, is from uh, at Rich underscore LB fan. Uh, No, this is not the same Rich fan that I've done shows with on post wrestling, for those wondering. (laughs) Uh, And Rich said, uh, wait, dot, 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 dot. John Cena was in F9? Four question marks. (laughs) Perfect. How do you want to respond to Rich? Also, by the we way... We didn't see him either. We didn't see him either. We didn't see him either. Yes, you stole it from me. <laughs> so now there is... I don't I don't know why this is the case, but John Cena randomly follows a bunch of different people. Yes, he follows me. He follows Rich, too. He does not follow too fast, but he follows Rich. He follows Jason Dickinson. He follows a bunch of people we follow. He does not follow us, though, and I don't know why. He follows uh, 433,000 people. His have to be shambles. Oh, I'm sure he has, oh. like, somebody. I don't, I'm sure he's not actually looking at Twitter ever. Why would he ever look at Twitter? He's uh, got people fair. to look at Twitter for him. Yes, he's, I'm sure. He's got, like, a ton of people. Like, anybody that remembers that great classic WrestleMania entrance where John Cena mimicked uh, Eminem at the VMAs with all the real Slim Shadies? 
and there was just an army of John Cena's coming down to the ring. I'm sure those guys <laughs> are the ones running John Cena's Twitter account. I found Fast and Furious at FF underscore countdown on Twitter. Fast X is only eight months and ten days away. Hashtag Fast and Furious. Hashtag Fast X. Hashtag Fast 10. Hashtag Sung Kang. Hashtag Tyrese Gibson. And a picture of Roman sleeping on Han. Tyrese is sleeping like on Sung. Is like a robotic account that just like tweets every day that says how many days are left? I don't know. They're followed okay. by Reaction Rocket. It's not, you know how like on bots now on Twitter it says like this is an automated account? Yeah. Does not have that. What I am saying to this FF countdown we can't wait. When do you think we'll get a trailer? Also, boy, do we have a podcast for you. I am going for the lowest hanging five-point <laughs> reply fruit I can possibly imagine. That's fine. Try it. See if I it don't works. think it's going to work because this game never works. Nope. But if it does, that's an easy probably six points. So mm. for the like and for the inevitable like and reply. But, you know, I've had no luck in months playing this game. Maybe this entire lap. It's been bad. But, you know, it's not been bad. Expert transition there. This episode, Nate, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for racing home from work to join us for this and to finally watch F9 and talk about it with us. We really appreciate you being here. Yes, I am always got time for the Joes, even even if my schedule is busier now that we are, quote unquote, out of the pandemic. Uh, when in reality, people just got tired of the pandemic. It's like, mm-hmm. yes. yeah, we're yeah. good. <laughs> we're good, pandemic. We're just going to keep it moving. Uh, but, yeah, anytime, you know, you guys uh, want me to stop by or anytime uh, you guys want to swing by the, the compound uh, and, and talk uh, on the Rocky Mountain Hill Picture Show, you know, you've got the open invite. And, yeah, this is a fun movie. If you haven't seen F9 yet, then you should check it out at least, you know, just to see it. You know, if you're a fan of this franchise, it's, it's a good film. And, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, fellas, and if anybody wants to hear more from me, check me out on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K for my work over at Post Wrestling, including the aforementioned Rocky My Via Picture Show, as well as the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, which is a show about pro wrestling from the perspective of black uh, fans, journalists, commentators, uh, and performers. Uh, I've also got the Kings of Sport, which just reached episode three hundred. Congratulations! Thank you, guys. Congrats, I appreciate congrats. it. Uh, you can. We have a Patreon. So while you're subscribing to the Too Fast Too Forever Patreon, you can just drive across the street. You don't even have to like drive across a bridge like Jacob and Dom. You just drive across the street and check out the Kings of Sport Patreon, patreon.com backslash Kings of Sport. Uh, five bucks gets you in the door. And we've got over 200 hours of audio and video, sports, pro wrestling, MCU reviews, politics, pop culture talk. Uh, there's a Hamilton live watch on there from a couple years back that still makes me chuckle every time I stumble across it. Uh, we did a review. Speaking of John Cena, we did a review of season one of Peacemaker earlier this year. That's on the Patreon. So you can check that out. And I'm on the DC TV podcast networks talking about DC shows, which is, uh, apt considering, uh, John Cena, uh, not John Cena, considering Dwayne Johnson, wrong wrestler, uh, is going to be in black Adam later this year. Uh, you can check that out. And again, like I said, for anything else, just find me on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K. Joe's always a pleasure, fellas. If you just holler at me anytime you guys want to talk about landmines or, or uh, street <laughs> racing or uh, women that have the sexy Pete Rose haircut. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much, brother. 
Joe, next week we have our tune-up relap recap closing at 11, announcing the theme for lap 12, doing that thing next week. But first, as a bonus to the Patreon, and as a supporter of our show, Nate's going to get this episode. If you're out there listening, why can't I get the episode? You can. Go to TooFast2Forever.com and sign up. But Joe, you and I are watching our final pit stop behind the paywall. We are watching the Ben Affleck film, The Town. Ben Affleck Ooh. in The Town. Is that a movie you have seen, Joe, or no? Um, I have seen The Town before, but only when it like first came. Actually, I have a vague memory of watching it in Rachel's basement for some reason at her house. You've like, been watching a lot of movies in basements this lap. I yeah, know. You watched a movie in Matt's basement. You watched a movie in Rachel's Zach's basement. Ba- it, was, it was Zach's basement. Zach's basement. basement. Yeah, yeah. Mm. In, in this movie, I think I remember watching it in Rachel's basement. So, I, yeah, that's what I, I, I need to rewatch, but that's what I think I watched it. Well, we are going to be watching and talking about it next week, and then we're doing our tune-up, relap, recap, and then we're starting lap 12 with our new format. So this is very exciting. The end of an era, beginning of a new era, all good things on Too Fast. Yeah. But for all things Too Fast, you forever go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page. Again, Nate is a supporter. Thank you so much, Nate. At TooFast2Forever.com in our store with our George Pickens t-shirt at TooFast2Forever.shop. And come back next week for a bonus episode about the town and Mm. our tune-up relap recap. Not not to hijack your show, fellas, but we cannot stress it enough. If you're you're a fan of this show, no. If you're a family member (laughs) of this show, you need to sign up for the Patreon because if we learn nothing from F9, is that people do terrible things when their family turns against them. Oh, it's true. I do like that you and I, we like, we, you know, uh, your show, our show, we support one another on Patreon for $5 a month. So we have access to one another's stuff. But basically all we're doing is every month giving Patreon like 40 cents of our money. It's just like, <laughs> we're, neither of us are making money. We're like, we're netting out even, but we're also like losing 40 yes, cents Yes, we're literally every, every like, yes, because I follow a lot of uh, my, my friends' podcasts on, on Patreon. And we're all just like passing around the same $5 bill. And Patreon yep. is taking... 40 cents off of each of it each time we pass it around. It's wonderful. I mean, you do get a shout out. We, we mentioned the Kings of Sport every episode, every when, we episode the, when we do the list. Do. But st- so, like, is that worth 40 cents a week or 40 cents a month for a weekly shout out? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But I do like the patrons. Like, you know, look at these idiots. <laughs> they're just, they're giving us money for, for literally almost nothing, but still love it. Never going to stop supporting you. Thank you for supporting us. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport and all sorts of other podcasts. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you.